All right, welcome back to the Compost Revolution podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rock, by my side, my platonic life partner, Steven. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. I got my uh, second COVID shot last Thursday. Yay! Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, Steven. <laughs> yes, yeah, Steven and I, we, we both were lucky enough to get our second shots this past week. I, I got mine a few days before Steven did. Mm-hmm. So I got to experience the fun 24 hours after the second shot. before Steven had to undergo it. And luckily for me, I'm a little older than Steven, which means I don't have as bad of a reaction as Steven. Mm -hmm. That's the spoiler of the COVID-19 vaccine from everything I've read and everyone I've talked to. The deal is the older you are, the fewer symptoms you get from the vaccine. So my parents who are older than, you know, dirt, Steven, they got it, and they were like, why is everybody complaining? I feel perfectly fine. I'm like, yeah, because you're, you're like in your 70s, and yeah, you're right. Your immune system was like, I'll mosey my way over here and eventually get to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Stephen, you know how we celebrated, because my wife, you know, because of her job, uh, she got the, the vaccine, and you know how we celebrated – the vaccine, Stephen. You'll really appreciate this. Tell me. Uh, now, we've been pretty strict. we got two boys. We've been mm-hmm. pretty strict about social distancing. The wife doesn't mess around. She runs a tight ship, Stephen. And so we really haven't, we don't really do much. You know, she goes to the grocery store, but we really limit where we go. We do a lot of things outside. You know, we'll go to trails and, and parks and anything outside we go and do as much as possible. But as far as going sure. indoors, you know, we don't go to restaurants. We don't go shopping. You know, you do all your shopping on Amazon. Basically, the only thing indoors we do is the grocery store because that's you, you got to do that at least. <laughs> but right. outside of that, so what do we do? We got the vaccine. And Mrs. Rock looks at me, Stephen, and goes, let's go celebrate that we can go wherever we want now. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, what are we going to do? Are we going to go to a brewery, Stephen? Maybe a brewery? <laughs> no. No, we're not going to do that. You know what we did? We ran errands literally all day yesterday, Stephen. I ran errands. <laughs> I went to Bed Bath & Beyond. I went to Michael's. I went to Wegmans, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful grocery store, but we picked up some a few items she wanted. She was making pasta last night, and she wanted to hand make the pasta, which she did, and it was fantastic. We went to mm-hmm. Home Depot, Stephen. Why? Because we got to buy yeah. you know topsoil, and we got to buy uh, you know weed uh, killer and... Uh, and 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 soil prevent you know prevent weeds from growing. Then we got buy the grass seed and got get all bags twenty bags of that that all weigh like fifty pounds per bag. That was fun. I got to load up the car, of course. Mrs. Rock just supervises, and so that was my fun day of enjoying vaccine liberty. I ran errands, literally, Stephen, five hours of errands all around town. That's not what I was planning. <laughs> Married life. Well, yeah, I was thinking like, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe a nice dinner, yes. maybe a movie, yes. maybe, I don't know, both. Yeah. Uh, but not running all fun. those errands. <laughs> I know. I think the yeah. next thing, 
The next thing we're going to plan, Stephen, is we're going to go hitting all of our thrift stores that we love so much. That's right. There you go. I do okay. love a thrift store, Stephen. Nice. I, I have a serious addiction to that. It's it's scary. Got a got an addiction to savings. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, that's okay, Stephen. You're going to go somewhere fun, and then you'll tell me all about how nice it is to go to fun places, and I'll tell you how wonderful it is to go to all the boring, uh, menial places. <laughs> this is this is excellent. All right, Stephen. Normally, in our episodes, we review at least six issues, but in this one, Stephen, I figured since we've got Infinite Frontier number zero, and it's a beastly 65-page issue, and it has a lot of continuity implications and teases about various directions for the future for many, many franchises. We have a lot to talk about. This issue, Stephen, warrants its own podcast because this is not just reviewing a single issue and did we enjoy it? Did we like the writing? Did we like the art? No. This is really, Stephen, you and I are going to be discussing what's the future of DC Comics overall going forward for all their comics and do they have a path for success that's huge this is a much bigger issue we've got at hand than just a regular comic book we're reviewing and did we like the issue you know what i mean so i figured it'd be wise for us to go ahead and just dedicate the entire podcast to infinite frontier number zero how's that sound that sounds perfect i'm gonna gonna settle in and Get ready for some for some in-depth <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right, my friend. Let's get the usual the usual stuff out of the way first. As always, you can check us out at comicbookrevolution.com for all of our reviews and features in the world of comic book, manga, and whatever else interests us. You can also check us out at our Comic Book Revolution Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at CBRevolution. You can follow me on Twitter at Rock2KsRevolution, on Instagram at Rock2KsRevolution. You, Stephen? You can follow me on Twitter at President Glover. And, of course, you can check out, uh, download and listen to the Comic Revolution podcast on podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon. Please make sure to rate and review with five stars. It does help people find the podcast. We also love to hear feedback from all of our followers as well. All right, Stephen, with all that boilerplate, spiel out of the way let's talk yep. a little bit about <laughs> what we have on tap for this episode and why is this a big week steven because dc finally unleashed a whole bunch of comics on us with the new direction under the infinite frontier banner for the dcu yep. this is huge steven this is huge this is dc's I, I don't want to sound too hyperbolic but this is dc's last gasp steven this is it right here. Mm -hmm. The new 52 was the type of move that you make that is almost impossible to walk back from. It was the nuclear option that Dan Didio and Jim Lee greenlit. And that's a yep. new 52 is oh, when they did that, Stephen, I, I remember on the podcast saying this is this is when you hit the exterminate everything button this is almost impossible to walk back from if this doesn't work you were in serious serious trouble and well i didn't think it was going to work i was vocal about it at the very start you can go to the complicrevolution.com you can see where i was put it down in writing i've never thought it was going to work and guess what i was right it didn't work 
And DC is in the yep. unenviable position, Stephen, of being, quite frankly, on death's door in the entertainment world. AT&T is slashing and cutting everything in sight. There's been a bloodbath at DC as AT&T has fired lots of top-level executives and editors, including Dan Didio himself. It has been rough over at DC, and now basically... DC's got to show AT&T, Stephen, why they should continue to exist and publish comics going forward. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm being, I'm, I'm overstating or being overly dramatic when I say the Infinite Frontier directive, it has to work, Stephen. Failure is not an option. If it fails like the New 52 did, then they're just done. AT&T is not going to publish comics going forward. They will either license it out or they will just stop it altogether. I'm not saying that you won't see DC properties. Of course you will. They're going to still use it for their CW TV shows and their movies and their merchandise. But as far as publishing comics goes, that might stop or get licensed to someone else. Steven, am I being overly dramatic with what is at task and in stake for Infinite Frontier? No, I don't think so. I think Rebirth was was fairly successful. Um, I remember it was the first time in years they'd they'd ever beaten Marvel at the, at sales. Yes. Um, now that's not particularly impressive because of <laughs> Marvel doesn't sell all that well either. Right. Right. There was always the question of what was going to happen after, because there was, there were those key uh, missteps that they made, like heroes in crisis. And then um, like, and I think I probably blocked them out of my memory, but there's a couple where they were like, yeah. heroes in crisis was the know, biggest misstep. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And then the, well, then the news about 5G was coming out. And that was like, that wasn't garnering a lot of positive vibes either. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, okay, this is not good. We can, like, we thought, we thought the train was coming to an end, that we had a good time, but it was over. Yeah. And then somebody wised up and said, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to, we're going to try to do something else. And they stopped it early enough that they could, you know, derail that train and, and try something else. Um, future state, thank God, was just a temporary holdover until they could get to their right to this destination. And Scott Snyder finished his his grand remaking of the DC universe, mm-hmm. his, uh, his long running project. Yep, it ended in a way that made it you know made you feel like, oh, okay, well. There's a lot they could do here. Yes. They just need to not screw it up. Yes. Because now that he's now that he's gone or he's taking a break, I figure he'll be back at some point. Well, um, Scott Snyder won the won the struggle between he and Dan Didio, because Dan Didio didn't want mm-hmm. to do what Scott Snyder wanted to do step coming out of death metal. He wanted to do 5G. And Snyder was like, I don't want to do 5G. I want to do my plans for coming out of death metal. And guess what ATT right. picked? They picked Scott Snyder's plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. For once, somebody in the higher ups actually listened to one of the one of the peons, <laughs> and it was and it was a good thing too. Yeah. But yeah, now that he's he stepped back, you know, I was like, okay, who's who's going to be the shepherd of this this new it's this new going forward step in the DC universe? Because it's very important, I think, you know, to have somebody who is kind of the guiding hand, um, and you know, Didio, yeah, he was there when Rebirth happened, but he wasn't really the one in charge. It no. was Jeff Johns. Yeah, right, yes. But now that Didio's gone and Johns is gone for, you know, for for reasons that are wholly his his own fault. Right. You know, it was tough. It was a little, I was, I was worried, but, 
you know, we'll, well, I'll, we'll, we'll wait and we'll see, we'll see how it turned out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or how exactly. it started. Right. Yes. Infinite Frontier number zero is the little appetizer to whet your appetite, Stephen, for the main course yeah. headed our way. First of all, right. this issue serves as kind of the sampler platter, letting you know, here are all the teaser stories for a bunch of different titles that we're going to be unleashing in the oncoming months to get you interested in buying one of these new titles, which is, right. I love, <laughs> these kind of these kind of issues are always smart I think it's intelligent for publishers to do these type of issues. They Marvel hasn't done one in a while. I think this is a good thing to do every once in a while to really get readers interested in the overall direction for your universe and try to sell them on a comic that they might not ordinarily think to buy. I know that this issue sold me on a couple of titles, Stephen, that I probably wouldn't have, would have just passed over had I not gotten the little spoiler story in Infinite Frontier number zero. Of course, Infinite mm -hmm. Frontier number zero is going to roll into the new big event because you got to have a big event, Stephen. Come on, you can't right. do a new direction to a to your to your universe <laughs> without a big event. And right. we're going to get a six issue. Thank God, Stephen, it's only six issues. Okay, Whew. small mm -hmm. miracles there, my friend. The Infinite Frontier big event will run for six issues, and it'll be delivered by writer Joshua Williamson and artist uh, Zermanico Stephen. I love, love, love the selection of Joshua Williamson as the writer mm -hmm. for DC's big event. You and I, Stephen, going back a couple of years now mm -hmm. on the podcast, have been singing Williamson's praises consistently whenever we would review an issue of The Flash. You and I would just go on and on about Williamson, how this guy is DC's <laughs> best-kept secret, how he yep. is crazy talented, that he is right up there with Snyder and Johns and Morrison at least in our opinions, mm -hmm. in terms of world building and understanding the characters in the DCU and, and delivering entertaining stories. And we had been going, this guy just doesn't get the attention that some other writers get, Bendis. And yet he is, <laughs> he is phenomenal. <laughs> and we were hoping that at some point DC would recognize this guy's amazing talent and that they would see him as the next guy to come in and take over. Yeah, you had Grant Morrison and Jeff Johns for a long time being the head writers of DC for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of Morrison left and they slid Snyder up there next to Johns. Then Johns left yeah. and Snyder had the position alone. Well, now they're sliding Williamson in to take the place that Snyder had as the head writer of DC, which is smart. And I'm glad they've rewarded this guy with his own big event because right now for my money and DC's got great writers. Don't get me wrong. DC right now, Steven has better. And I want to qualify this comic book writers comic book writers mm -hmm. than Marvel does and I don't think it's close I think the stable of writers no. DC has just blows away blows away what Marvel has mm -hmm. and Williamson for my money is at the top of the list of the DC stable of writers so I'm thrilled to see him get this love I know you're happy too based on how much we've talked about Williamson this big event Stephen's going to start in June I have high hopes for this big event how about you I know you and I tend to be a little a little skeptical about big events we tend to suffer from big event fatigue more than maybe your average fan does we're not mm -hmm. usually crazy about big event tie-in issues so you and I our enthusiasm for big events not quite as as hot as the enthusiasm it, it, admittedly so Stephen I think you and I are in the minority I think most comic book readers love big events yeah, I think they do. I but how's so. how? What are your feelings? Well, I'm very happy that 
Williamson's the guy. I figured the next person would be either him or Tinian. Tinian's been at it a little bit longer. Agreed. But I think Williamson, he definitely has the stuff. He's written more than just The Flash. Yep. And he's done a good job yep. with those characters. I think he has a similar love for the universe that Scott Snyder has, mm-hmm. which is what a duh it makes him successful at writing the comics if they love right. the characters in the universe. Sure. But so I'm I'm really happy that it's him. As far as events go, I think the way they do events these days, they're super disruptive. They tend to encompass too much. Yes. It just feels like it's everywhere. They take too long mm-hmm. to get done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes a drag after a while, you know. You're yes. you're kind of just waiting for it to be done. You miss the the four issue big events or mm-hmm. the events that you know they could go for like eight issues, but it didn't matter to anything else. It was just okay. I'm reading this one fun thing, right? But I can still enjoy my stories in the other titles. Yes, correct. So yeah, I'm not not really it's not really a fan of the of the modern comic book event. Right, <laughs> right. No, I've I've. Fair enough. I, I'm with you on that. Though I do think I'll give, I think Infinite Frontier does shoulder a very important role because of this new sure. universe spanning direction that DCU is taking. They almost need a big event to, to really properly kick off this brand new direction and right. quite frankly, big reimagining of their shared universe. Mm-hmm. All right, Steven. Let's hop right to Infinite Frontier number zero, shall we? Now, this is brought to us by many different creative teams. So, Steve and I are going to do this issue a little bit different than we normally do an issue. We're going to break it down, each teaser story in its to itself, and and kind of hit it that way. The issue opens up with Wonder Woman ascending to a higher plane and looking at the multiverse in total. Suddenly, the quintessence appears on the scene. And this includes the Spectre, Phantom Stranger, Ganthet, the Wizard, Highfather, and Hera. The Quintessence offers Wonder Woman a chance to become a cosmic god and join their group. She will watch over the new multiverse along with the rest of the Quintessence. Wonder Woman says that she is concerned that the lurking threat that she needs to protect the new multiverse from is still out there somewhere. She's She was warned of a great cost for restarting the multiverse. The Quintessence assures Wonder Woman that there is no threat out there. Then Spectre takes Wonder Woman around Earth to check in on all of her friends to see that everything is okay. We cut to Wonder Woman and Spectre arriving in Egypt. We see Superman arriving on the scene only to find that the fire god who attacked the civilians has already been defeated. The civilians say that Shazadam defeated the villain. The civilians show Superman video footage of Shazadam. It is Black Adam in a black and gold version of Shazam's costume. Evidently, Shazadam has been protecting the civilians for a while now. The civilians say that Shazadam is like Superman. The Flash then appears on the scene. Superman says that it was Black Adam who saved the day. Superman says that maybe it is. this is who Black Adam is now. The Flash marvels at Superman's ability to hope for the best about everyone, even villains. We then ship to Spectre and Wonder Woman arriving at Arkham Asylum in Gotham. We see an Arkham guard named Mahoney checking on Bane. Mahoney discovers that Bane has been killed by Joker Toxin. You didn't see that coming, Stephen. And Mahoney radios the main security room to order a full lockdown. We see the guards in the security room are already dead from Joker Toxin. We then cut to Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown working as the, quote, Batgirls, end quote, and beating up some thugs. The Batgirls radio Barbara Gordon, oh, our third Batgirl, who is back at her headquarters along with Huntress, who I am not a fan of her new look at all. Barbara is now operating as Oracle. I am a fan of that. Barbara finds that being Oracle is even more powerful than being Batgirl. 
Barbara says that it will also give her spinal implant more rest. Barbara says that she will still don the Batgirl costume from time to time, though, whenever the moment calls for it. So we will still have not one, not two, but three Batgirls operating in the DCU going forward. Babs then notices an alert from Arkham Asylum. That's a lot of Batgirls, Steven. (laughs) We zip to Jace and Lucius Fox playing chess. They're talking about how the Fox family is now the richest family in Gotham and and uh, the responsibility is to Gotham and their responsibility to Gotham going forward. Suddenly, Grifter busts into the scene and says he needs to get Jason Lucius to a panic room that there is a Joker attack at Arkham. We zip to Montoya uh-huh. meeting with the mayor of Gotham. Montoya fills the mayor in on the attack at Arkham. We then cut back to Mahoney running through Arkham and seeing that all the other guards are dead from the Joker toxin. Mahoney keeps a rag over his mouth to protect himself. We see Batman is on his way to Arkham. He's kind of swinging through the city. Steven saying, I'm on my way. Just hold out. We then uh-huh. cut to Spectre taking Wonder Woman to Themyscira. Skira. Pronounce it for me, Steven. Themyscira. Thank you. <laughs> Hippolyta is still mourning over Diana's death. We see various Amazons training to be the next Wonder Woman. Hippolyta then gathers Nubia and two other Amazons and takes them to a room where a box with Medusa's head is stored. The Amazon who has a just heart and clear mind, will be able to look at Medusa and not turn to stone. Well, two of the Amazons are nothing but just cowards, yellow-bellied, lily-livered cowards, Stephen. And they decide, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to look at the box, Nubia. You, 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 can, you can be the, the, the one to take over Diana's mantle. Nubia opens the box and pulls out a crown. Oh, swerve, Stephen. Hippolyta reveals that Nubia will be the new queen of the Amazons, while Hippolyta will replace her daughter, Diana, in her mission into man's world and to figure out what Yara Flora and the Amazons of Brazil are up to. Speaking of that, we then zip to the Boise Air Terminal. Yara is arguing with her aunt, Renata. Renata does not want Yara to return to Brazil. Yara's uncle, Brian, tells them to stop arguing and smile for a picture. Yara tells her family she loves them and heads off to her plane. We then see two women. Perhaps these are Brazilian Amazons, Stephen? We don't know. That's my guess watching and saying that they have located the target. We shift to the Justice Society of America's brownstone. Alan Scott is meeting. The real Alan Scott is meeting with his children, Jade and Obsidian. Oh my God, I'm going crazy, Stephen. All this goodness being returned to me in one panel. I can't, I can't contain my enthusiasm. We see pictures of the original JSA. Yay! And Infinity Inc. Yay! Alan says that he is gay. His children hug him and tell him they love him. Alan says that some of the greatest minds in the world are looking out at the frontier again. They have asked Alan to be a sentinel overlooking the totality of this world. Get what he did there, Stephen? Sentinel? His code from the 90s? (laughs) Alan said it would not be right to take that job without finally being uh, the whole of himself with his family and friends and thereby coming out of the closet. Spectre and Wonder Woman then zip to a bunch of teens all with backpacks with the same T logo on them. The teens all hop on a ferry boat. They're all excited about their new school. We see the teens arriving at what appears to be, Stephen, a modern updated Titans Island. Mm -hmm. Spectre and Wonder Woman then head over to Metropolis, where Jonathan Kent is battling an Empiral Maw, some kind of weird jellyfish-like alien creature. Its weapons are space and time itself. Those are imposing weapons, Stephen. Spectre says that Jonathan Kent is the darkness that Wonder Woman seeks. Spectre says that Jonathan Kent must never become Superman. Spectre says that Jonathan Kent is of no place and no time. He was conceived on one world, born on another, and 
both are now gone. Spectre says that Jonathan's future is one of a great tyrant. We then see Jonathan using the Maul's own power to reach through time and space to find when it was newly born, alone and helpless. Jonathan then returns the young Maul back to its rightful home. The Maul then is reunited with its family. Wonder Woman says, this is a sign that Jonathan is a true hero. Spectre says, Jonathan can remain for now, but he is still a lost one, and Earth will pay the price for that one day. Well, thanks, Spectre. Thanks for looking out for us. Jeez, if you really believe that, get rid of the guy. The heck? Yeah. So, <laughs> Spectre and Wonder Woman then zip over to Oliver Queen and Black Canary, evidently Steven, post-coital, naked and under a blanket, culling together. Ah, Spectre and Diana. Super creepy. Super creepy with your timing. Move on to the next scene. Anyhow, <laughs> Oliver and Diana talk about how their lost memories are all coming back. Yay, Steven, yay. <laughs> the, that Mr. Terrific said it might take some time. Oliver then gets a phone call from someone who says nothing and then hangs up. And Steven, this is where I lost my collective shit reading this issue. Mm -hmm. I literally jumped up and yelled out loud, scaring not one but two pug puppies sleeping next to me, Steven. Why? Because we cut to the mysterious person who is calling from a gas station in the middle of the desert, and it's Roy Harper. He's back, Stephen. Screw you, Tom King. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> Roy says that it is not time to talk to Ollie, Dick, Donna, or Jason. Roy says that he is back from the dead and has no idea why. The Spectre and Wonder Woman then slide over to Omaha where Stargirl and Stripesy. What? Stripesy? Yes, Pat Duggan in his stripe armor <laughs> are battling King Midas. Well, Pat takes out King Midas. Stargirl thanks her stepfather. Yes, he's back to being her stepfather for the help in taking down the villain. We learn that Stripesy used to be a member of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Oh, Steven, there they are. That's right, baby. Shining Knight, Crimson Avenger, Wing, Green Arrow, Speedy, the Vigilante, Star Spangled Kid, and Stripesy. Oh, oh I, I'm in my happy space, Steven. I'm in my happy space. We cut to Courtney arriving late at school because of the fight with King Midas. Principal Sherman catches Courtney and is about to give her detention when Pat appears and says that it was his fault they had car trouble this morning. Principal Sherman accepts the excuse and walks away. Courtney then thanks her stepfather for saving her twice today. Pat then gets a phone call from the vigilante. The vigilante says that the soldiers need Pat and then hangs up. Pat tells Courtney to ditch school and come with him. We zip back to Gotham. Mahoney tells Batman that everyone is dead except for two nurses in a storage room. A massive fire has now broken out in Arkham. Mahoney heads off to help them. Batman says he's almost there and tells Mahoney to get outside of Arkham. Batman at this moment, Stephen, is, is now on a motorcycle. Are we just going to get various scenes of Batman taking various forms of transportation saying, I'm almost there! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mahoney rushes into the storage room and grabs the two nurses and carries them out of the room before it explodes from the fire reaching the cans of gas. There is a massive explosion and Mahoney flings the nurses forward and absorbs the blast. We see Batman finally arriving on the scene. Batman rushes to Mahoney who is blown to bits. Mahoney asks if the nurses are safe. Batman says the nurses are safe. Mahoney then dies. Gotham police arrive on the scene and pull their guns on Batman. The police say that Batman is under arrest because the mayor has said that there are no more masks welcome in Gotham. Batman ignores the cops and scans Arkham with his computer optics. There are 17 survivors. Steven, 17. That's uh, not many survivors. A lot, of, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of Batman villains just got killed off, huh? Mm -hmm. Batman heads into the fire to rescue the survivors. We shift to Simon Saint at his penthouse talking to Scarecrow, who looks pretty boss. Simon yeah. asks if Scarecrow <laughs> thinks that the people of Gotham are ready for what his magistrate program has to offer them. Are they finally scared enough to change? Scarecrow answers, they are not scared enough, but they will be soon. Spectre and Wonder... By the way, how is 
any of the scenes, any of these scenes, Stephen, with the Batman, supposed to make Wonder Woman feel more comfortable and at <laughs> ease with that everything is okay with her friends. How? How? This is the only, of all the little mini stories, this is the only one that was nothing but negative, terrible stuff. <laughs> but she's like, eh, it's well, Bruce, he's fine. <laughs> well, you know, she's been around Gotham so long. It's like, eh, it's just another day. <laughs> <laughs> just a normal Tuesday. I'm sure he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Spectral Wonder Woman then zipped to a ship that is in hyperspace and bound for Oa. Aboard the ship is Jon Stewart, Baz, and Teen Lantern. We learn that Hall, Kyle, Guy, and Jess are all out protecting the Crux worlds. Our Green Lanterns then arrive at Oa. Wow, one team got all the characters, and one team a little bit light. Spectre and Wonder Woman then zip over to the House of Heroes within the multiverse. President Superman asks Barry Allen how the cosmic vibrational frequencies are looking. We cut to Barry at the totality. Barry says that everything looks fine. President Superman asks Barry if he's considered their offer. Barry says he is flattered and he's to take care of a few things first. Suddenly, your favorite ginger American appears, Stephen, Wally West. Barry <laughs> says that he called Wally to the totality to tell him that the Justice Incarnate, ooh, interesting, has offered him a position on the team, that Barry will be their Earth's representative on the team, that the Justice mm -hmm. Incarnate is observing the formation of the new multiverse. The Justice Incarnate will explore and map the new multiverse. They have discovered two mysterious new sources of energy in the multiverse. They are opposites. One is the Elseworld. The other is Earth Omega. Barry then says that Wally is the Flash and that Wally will take care of Central City and serve the Justice League in place of Barry. Woo! Barry says that Wally will do an amazing job. The two then race home to go have a barbecue with Jay Garrick. We then see Spectre and Wonder Woman continuing to walk through the multiverse. We see a ton of different panels focusing on various aspects of the DCU. Steven, there's a lot to unpack here. We will get to that when we break it down in our actual impressions of the, of the issue. We'll go back to that. Mm -hmm. The Spectre and Wonder Woman teleport back to the rest of the Quintessence. The Spectre asks if Wonder Woman is satisfied. Wonder Woman says yes. The Quintessence asks if she is ready to join them. Wonder Woman replies that she feels confident that her friends can brave the journey ahead of them without her, but Wonder Woman says she will not be joining the Quintessence. Wonder Woman says she cannot stay and just stay and watch. She has to start a new chapter of her life. She has to find herself on a different shore and set sail into the infinite frontier. Dun, 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 dun. And we see her don what is uh, just an awful costume. It's like she's an extra from the Thor movie in that costume. We then get an <laughs> epilogue on Earth Omega. The Quintessence arrives and says that they should have told Wonder Woman that they have already trapped the threat that she was worried about. Man, why can't these cosmic beings, Stephen, just ever be honest with us? Just for once. <laughs> well, you know, if we knew what they knew, then they wouldn't be as powerful or important. <laughs> Jerks. And so they say that they've already trapped the threat that she was worried about and that Earth Omega shall serve as the prison for this threat. Suddenly we hear someone off panel say, die, black energy beams, then kill everyone in the quintessence. I didn't see that coming. The mysterious person <laughs> says that he has been reconstructed from his lesser forms. All of his past aspects have become one. His true form, his power exceeds what it was before the first crisis, that this new multiverse is infinite, but he is finite. He is final. We then see that it is none other than Darkseid standing over the dead members of the quintessence, Darkseid says, Darkseid is the end. End of issue. Wow, Steven. There is a lot to unpack from this issue. So let's take it. Let's break it into little pieces and go, go story by story, shall we? Okay. Okay. 
So let's begin with the Batman family story that we go back to multiple times throughout the entire issue of all the teaser mm-hmm. stories. Stephen, the Batman family story gets by far and away the most panel time. And it's just not even close, which is a bit of signaling from DC letting you know that, hey, in this new era, we're only going to be publishing maybe 20 titles a month going forward. Well, you can expect those cuts not to be made in the Batman family area. <laughs> okay. If we cut down to 20 titles a month, at least 10 of them are going to be Batman family comics. <laughs> right. DC is not hiding what powers their sales are they, Stephen? <laughs> I mean, anyhow, the Batman family story was brought to us. The words by James Tinian, the art by Jorge Jimenez, the colors by Tamu Mori. Stephen, out of the Batman family story, Give me the good. Well, I like the 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 tease with the the scarecrow, and I don't recognize that other person, Simon Saint. Is he, he is from the Future State storyline. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. And well, I love the way the scarecrow looks. He looks really freaky. <laughs> he does like in a cool he? in a cool way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's a I think it's a decent little little small Batman story, at least the parts that have Batman in it. I think the unintentional, I don't know if it's intentional or unintentional, that I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you see him on roller skates or something. I I'm know. on my way. I, that, that, Stephen, <laughs> that almost became, I, I, it was almost an unintentional joke, though. Like, I don't think Tinny no. was going for laughs in a story that serious. I don't think he, I mean, maybe he was. I don't think he was because the story itself was really freaking violent and dark and serious. And mm. that just seemed like an unintended joke that just had the reader giggling. Maybe when we weren't supposed to be giggling. Cause I know I was. <laughs> yeah. Should have probably been ratcheting up the tension and not, uh, you know, not <laughs> making you want to imagine him like on jet skis yeah. or something. Yes. What not? <laughs> I mean, for me, Steven, I think the, I, I will say, for me, the good was, I think, Tinian is one of their better writers. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. The quality the quality of the writing on this teaser story was very well done. You got great character work. You got mm-hmm. well-crafted dialogue. It had excellent pacing. It moves forward with an absolute purpose in mind. You can see that Tinian knows where he wants to go and how he wants to get there. All the various pieces of the of the plot lines, all the various characters in the Batman fr- franchise are all going to work together in a real logical and intelligent fashion. You can see that, right? So from an overview, I like that about that story as well. It just shows <laughs> Tinian, he doesn't waste panels. I don't think he wasted any panels mm-hmm. in, this, in this issue either. Um, I also think that Tinian, a couple of... Well, what did you think about overall from did you, the overall composition of the story? Did it work for you? It worked okay for what it was. I mean, he got he got more pages than just about everybody else. Yeah, I think he got more than everybody except for the overarching story. Right. So I think he used it a little bit better. Um, he had more characters to introduce than or reintroduce than everybody else. And I think he did that. Okay. I think he did that all right. The, I mean, I didn't really have a problem with any of the little segments right. that he threw in there. At the worst, it was just like, like the stuff with like the grifter. I was like, oh, he's still, he's still here. Okay. Right. Well, all right. Right. Um, it wasn't like a what's or <laughs> ew or right, right, right. Um, something like that. 
and I like that they you know, they had a they had a regular person, a regular cop, kind of at the at the center of it. Like he, the only person around who could do anything about it. I like that. Yes. Um, it kind of reminds me of the, not exactly of like Gotham Central, mm-hmm. where it was about the actual cops. I yep. kind of like to see something like that come back because I always thought like those characters on the ground in that city were probably more interesting than like if you right. were to do Metropolis cops or Central yes. City cops or whatnot. And I was kind of, I was kind of bummed that he died. I'm not gonna not gonna I'm not gonna lie. About that. I was like, Aw. <laughs> like at least he saved the the pretty nurses. Yes, he did. He did. He <laughs> died a hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think that what I liked, I, I think he did a good job. It's a teaser story, right, Stephen? Mm-hmm. I think he did a really good job showing here are all the characters you're gonna get in my story, mm-hmm. and here are here are the main villains in Simon Saint and Scarecrow. You're gonna, and this is what they're up to, and he gives you the right amount of dread and mystery and excitement in the story so you know what kind of tone you're going to get in the story what's the mood going to be you get lots of action so you know you're going to get some action in the story as well and on top of it all he destroys Arkham Asylum Mm -hmm. with a lot of Batman's villains inside of it in order to try to grab the reader's attention and kind of give a shock to the system to let you know hey I'm really kicking off a brand new direction here. This is serious. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a good approach for a teaser story to give the readers a real good sample of what they can expect, selling what they can expect, and why they should come back for more on the title. What did you think? I agree with that. I think that, I mean, I I think he did a good job with that. It's, It's definitely, you know, we've seen stuff like this before, but I think the way, you know, this is the, the announcement, like, look, like, grabbing you and shaking you. It's like, this is not going to be like before. Stuff is different now. And I'm yes. going to, you know, the, uh, the, the main villain of the last writer's entire run on Batman is dead now. Yes. Like anything can happen. You know, they kill, they kill Bane off. And let me ask you honestly, yeah. Stephen, cause I think you're right. I think what team was trying to do by, by killing off the, the main villain from the prior run mm-hmm. on this title under King Mm-hmm. I, he's trying to shock you, shock the reader, and say, "Oh, mm-hmm. th- this is a whole new, different direction. What you've been reading, we just killed that guy off. This is this is a huge <laughs> deal." And for me, and it's not, it's not, it's going to sound like I'm criticizing Tinian, and I'm absolutely not criticizing Tinian. Right. It's just we live in a world of remix culture where these characters are killed. Brought back, mm-hmm. killed, brought back, put in time, put in here, done this. So they keep, they get put in a blender and they keep coming back, 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 back. And because of that, what should have been a shocking moment, Bane is dead. Stephen, the first thing I thought of, I'm not kidding you, Stephen. I went to the next panel and the first <laughs> thought in my mind was not, oh my God, they killed Bane. What is going on? Uh, the, our, this is blowing my mind. My first thought was, well, I wonder how long he's going to stay dead and how they're going to bring him back. And that's not Tinian's fault. That's not Tinian's fault. That's an overarching problem that plagues Marvel and DC and their remix culture. But it's sad that that's my first reaction. Yeah. Oh, th- that was your first reaction. No, my first reaction was... What's that? Oh, my God, you killed Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. 
He'll be back. He'll, yeah, of course he'll be back. We all yeah. know that. Um, <laughs> what do you think about the use of Joker taking down the asylum? Are you sick of the Joker? Do you want the Joker to go away for a while? It's obvious he's not going away. It's obvious he's going to no. be playing a role going forward. Does that excite you? Are you indifferent? Um, as long as Tinian's writing it, I I have faith it'll be good. Okay. Good enough. So, I'm, yeah. I'm about like you with that too as well. What about the other big reveal, Steven, that we now have not one, not two, but three Batgirls all operating at the same time. Do you like that? Do you not like that? I was hoping that with the Huntress, I guess I think that's supposed to be the Huntress. I didn't like that's that the outfit they picked for her. I was making a crack about the Birds of Prey name. Yes. About how I, I was hoping that maybe it would be like a a hint that maybe that'll have a comeback. Cause I hate the bad girl's name. It's so, yes, it's so, it's so dumb. Yes. <laughs> and it's derivative and it kind of ruins like the uniqueness of, well, uniqueness of bad girl. I know that sounds weird because <laughs> it's a derivative character, but, right? right, you know, right. Sure. It kind of takes away from, it's like, no, like this is the Huntress and Cassandra Kane and um, the spoiler together. It shouldn't be right. Barbara Gordon's uh, replacements. Right. I do like that Barbara is back to being Oracle. Um, yeah. yeah. It was, I was never upset that she got, that she was Batgirl again because, well, she was crippled and now she walks and it's dumb and blah, blah, blah. It was because I just liked her better as Oracle. Y- yes, I agreed. Think, I think Antinian makes a good argument through her as to why she's better suited for it because she can do more as Oracle. You nailed it. You nailed it. That's absolutely right. She, she does. Tinian made the proper case. He made Mm -hmm. the right argument as to why Oracle is a better role for Barbara. Why Oracle is a better character. I am like you. I always preferred Barbara as Oracle. Not that because, Oh, she can suddenly walk again. Like that issue. I liked it because she was just a better character as Oracle. Whether she could walk or not was irrelevant. She was a better character as Oracle, I thought. That's what I really began to like Barbara's character a lot. It's when she became Oracle. Before, I was like, meh, whatever. Give or take her. I didn't have an opinion one way or the other. She's another sidekick. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But when she became Oracle, she blossomed and became her own character, her own identity with her own agency. This is why I know a lot of people don't agree. This is why I harp on things like you give characters their own code name their own identity mm-hmm. their own uniqueness you don't name x23 wolverine you don't have 50 batgirls give everyone their own unique identity you will see the characters grow and blossom in a way you would not have expected like we saw with barbara gordon so i'm with you oracle coming back huge thumbs up for me having a bunch of batgirls operating that's a bad idea again dc's trying to make if your goal with infinite frontier steven is to get more readers Right? You don't want AT&T to cancel you, do you? No. You want to get more readers. Make it new reader friendly. If you have 80 Batgirls running around, new readers are going to be like, I, I don't, wait, who, what, why are, why are there all these Batgirls? I don't get what's going on. It makes it confusing. At least yeah. I think it does. It does, especially since they're still going by their, I mean, Cassandra Kane doesn't have a code name, but they're still calling them Huntress and Spoiler. Right. So yep. why not call them a group name, not Batgirls? Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, but it is cool to see Oracle coming back again. You see, mm-hmm. you see Tinian mixing in more of the pre-New 52 continuity and characters. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. This is a positive, positive sign. All right, Stephen, how would, uh, was there anything bad from the Batman story? Nothing really major. I wasn't, like I said, I didn't like Huntress's outfit, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's a small cosmetic. quibble. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't like the Batgirl's name, but it's the fact that they're already making a joke about it means they might change it. Correct. You know, right. It's nothing, nothing too, nothing too serious. Yeah. I thought it was okay. I was just ready to read the title. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) Get into it. The only other slight complaint I had was Mm -hmm. bringing Simon Saint over from future state they're trying to tie the current comics into future state a little bit. And that's fine. I don't mind taking bits and pieces of future state that you thought were interesting and trying to use them in the current Mm -hmm. comics. What I really do not want to see is writers or any writer treating the future state stories as some predestined future. That is a sure way to kill your comic book line right Mm -hmm. then and there. You cannot have a predestined future in comic books in a shared universe. I don't believe so. Every time there's been a predestined, you know, predestined future, it seems to kill the comic and kill the story. Things don't work that way. Mm. They just don't work that way. I think it's best to avoid that treat future state as kind of like a, what if, and you can Mm. use little aspects, but it cannot be a concrete future that writers are locked into heading toward. That's a bad, that's a bad way to weigh your writers down. Yeah. I don't, that's what I say. If they take it in a way where like it seems to be going that way, but they prevent that future, then I'll be I'll be fine with that. Right, right. How would you grade out the Batman family story? I'll give it straight eights. I really like the art. I really like the writing. I think it's just hampered. Most of these are hampered by the short oh, story yeah. format. Absolutely, so. agree. absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I would say the James Tinian gets an eight night girls out of ten for the writing, and Jorge Jimenez mm-hmm. nice art. I'll give him a little bit less than you seven night girls out of ten for an overall of seven and a half night girls out of ten. All right. Uh, the Justice League story. Story. This one is brought to us by Brian Bendis. The art by David Marquez. The colors by Tamara Bonvillion. And give me the good of this Justice League story. The only thing I might have really enjoyed, if I could really enjoy anything from a, what, a three, four page Yeah, but story all these stories are very, very short. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a criticism for any, everything, I think. I still like the way that Bendis writes Superman. It's it's one of the yeah. surprising things that I found about him. Yes, agreed. I did not expect that he had the capacity to do that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. <laughs> I kind of like that he that him and the Flash they have that little back and forth about like yeah. Well, yeah. you know, maybe he is he is changed. Like yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could be as optimistic as you. <laughs> but other than that, I mean. That's about as much as I can say. Um, right. I think the art is interesting. I like yes. the art. Isn't it? Was it David Marquez? Yes. Yes. I like his art. Mm-hmm. I just wish he had something to draw. Really. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, again, yeah. it's it's the artist's curse of having to work for, with Brian Bendis. You're never going to get anything <laughs> to do. That's just the way yeah. it is. <laughs> I'm with you. My favorite part of this teaser issue, this teaser story, was... David Marquez's artwork. I thought it was just mm. fantastic. It's just beautiful. His panels are pretty. Bendis' Justice League might end up being a, a dull, uneventful story, but you know what? If Marquez is doing the art, it's going to be a pretty story. It's definitely going to look good. He's going to do the best he can with whatever Bendis gets him. I love how Marquez draws Superman, Stephen. It is pure yeah. perfection. That's how the big red S should look, right? Just, mm-hmm. just fantastic. Absolutely. Just fantastic. What I didn't like, Stephen, honestly... Again, it's a short issue. It's a short issue. It's a short story, so you can't really, I can't ding it, you know, by saying there's not a, a lot there. He doesn't have many 
pages to work with. The pro- I guess the main problem, Stephen, is it's a teaser story. You got to tease me mm-hmm. why I need to come back for more. What are you going to be doing on this title? What kind of story am I going to be getting? What kind of which characters am I going to be getting? And Bendis doesn't do any of that at all. He doesn't. He doesn't introduce the the, the the roster for the team. He doesn't give us the 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 mission statement for his Justice League. He doesn't show us who the big bad villain is going to be. He doesn't establish any teaser plot lines to get us to. Oh, this is what I get if I come to this title. He doesn't do anything to sell you on a new Justice League title. So mm-hmm. that was my biggest criticism. And then my smaller criticism is I'm not a fan of. First of all, I, they never need to call. Black Adam Shazadam again. That's that's, yeah. that's cheesy Brian Bendis dad joke that a guy in his fifties makes that no one else finds funny. Stop doing that because nobody's finding that funny who's under the age of sixty. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. So I'm not not a fan of that, and I'm not really a fan of Black Adam being made a derivative character. He looks just like Shazam. He doesn't have his pointy ears. He doesn't have a trademark hair. Yeah, not a fan of it. Again, it's probably a temporary thing that is immediately going to be reverted. That's probably going to be the big conflict <laughs> for the opening story arc. What happened to Black Adam, and he's eventually going to yeah. turn back to his bad self. So fine, but not the most inspired or creative teaser issue, a teaser story for me. How about you? Yeah, I agree with that. It's um. If they had given some hint that, like, maybe he was forced to train to being good, or if he had, um, I don't know, that something else had happened, or somebody was in disguise as yeah. him or something, then that right. would be more interesting. But Shazadam is not really a winner for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. So I thought this was this, the Superman tease at first. I was like... Superman and Black Adam, what? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that was yeah. the Justice League one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, typical Bendis. You give him a team title, he's going to focus on two characters. Um, how, how would you grade out the Justice League story? I'll give the writing a four, and I'll give the art a six. Okay. You and I are Not because of any fault of Marquez's, right. it's more Bendis. I totally understand. Uh, yeah. Very close to me, I'll give the writing four night girls out of 10. I'll give the art. I'll go higher than you. Eight night girls out of 10. I just love, I just love Marquez's art. I know. I know. I'm so Mm -hmm. nice. And overall rating of six, (laughs) six night girls out of 10. All right, Steven, the wonder woman story. Let's talk about this one. This one was brought to Mm -hmm. us by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad, the art by Aletha Martinez and Mark Morales, the colors by Emilio Lopez. For me, Steven, the good, uh, well, the good is you, it clearly sets forth what you can expect on this title. Nubia is going to be the queen of the Amazons. Hippolyta is going to assume the mantle of, I guess, Wonder Woman, as she did back in the 1990s. And she's going to be investigating the Brazilian Amazons. So, look, you, 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 the, both writers, Clunan and Conrad, effectively introduce you to all the readers, I mean, to all the characters to their roles on the title, to the mission statement, and the main conflict going forward. And that's about everything you're supposed to do from a technical standpoint in a teaser story, Stephen. Yeah. And I like the idea of Hippolyta being the one to assume the mantle of Wonder Woman more than Nubia because Hippolyta has a history of being Wonder Woman. She was Wonder Woman mm-hmm. in the 1990s. She served with the Justice Society of America. So, you know what? If you're going to do remix culture, Stephen, at least do one that pays homage to your continuity. 
So that, those those are the good for me. How about for you? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think technically, you know, it does everything right. Like you said, I guess I was a little under the impression that the Brazilian Wonder Wonder Girl was going to become Wonder Woman. Yes. So I was like, I was like, oh, so it's going to be Hippolyta. I was like, okay, well, that's kind of that's kind of neat. It's definitely a callback to the to the nineties, right? Um, lots of nineties callbacks. Yes. <laughs> yes. This, indeed. In this issue. Indeed. I think it's, it's okay. I don't think it's anything special. No. I think that it, it's fine. I like yeah. the art. Yes. A lot. Yes. I, I, I would agree with you on that. You know, what I didn't like about it is much like what you say. It just, the entire story smacks of just kind of a dull remix culture approach to Wonder Woman. I hate to say mm-hmm. it. It just does. It just yeah. feels very bland. You're going to throw the characters in a blender and spit them back out, but not in a particularly interesting fashion that's really going to engage me. I mean, Nubia is now Queen of Amazons. Yeah, so who cares? You know, Hippolyta is now Wonder Woman. Yep, okay, right. All right. How many times are we going to replace Diana? And and she's done this before. Like, it's just, okay, fine, whatever. It just, yeah. nothing about this seems remotely original, creative, interesting, exciting, fun. It's just blah, okay? Blah, the whole thing, blah. So we're, uh, from a technical standpoint, I think they did their job. I think what they're offering me is just a big bowl of tapioca pudding. Like, mm, okay. All right. Yeah, it's not offensive, but it's nothing. Mm, it gets me excited either. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it would have been more interesting if they had had Donna Troy become Wonder Woman or something. Right. Given right. all of her, her, her problems and stuff. And Right. I don't know. Agreed. It would have made more sense. Agreed. But, eh. How would you grade out the Wonder Woman story? I give the writing a five because I don't think anything was bad in it. It was just kind of right. middle of the road. Yep. And then I'll give the art, I'll give the art a seven. Okay. All right. I will go the writing. I'll give the writing six night girls out of 10. I will give the artwork. I didn't like it as much as you. I just found it very boring, very pedestrian looking, just nothing exciting about this artwork. I'll give it five night girls out of 10 for an overall five and a half night girls out of 10. All right, Steven. Now let's go to the wonder girl story. And that is where you will find the new Brazilian uh, wonder woman. She's now wonder girl because Lord knows, Steven, if you have three back girls, you know what you need? Three wonder girls running around in your universe too. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, this was brought to us. The words by Joel Jones, the art by Joel Jones, the colors by Jordi Belair for me, Steven, I get this is, not much content. I mean, all these are short stories anyway, but this one didn't have really much of any content in the short stories that we get. So there's really nothing there for me to review. As far as a story, there's really nothing there. I will say Jones's artwork as, as beautiful as ever. She is such Mm -hmm. a wonderful artist. I adore her artwork, even in three pages of literally nothing happening other than people sitting at a standing at an airport. Even Mm -hmm. that she manages to make beautiful looking, She's just yeah. a wonderful artist, and I absolutely geeked over the fact, Stephen. Oh boy! You know what I'm going to talk about, aren't you? Yara I, is wearing a hoodie that says that has the face of a pug, and it says "Pugs, not drugs." Ah! <laughs> yes, I got to get a hoodie, Stephen. I got to get that hoodie as a dad. Of not one, but two pugs. We have Coco, the black pug, and mm-hmm. Chumbly, the tan pug. Yes, I that right there, Stephen, it made me want to buy the Wonder Woman comic just to support 
anybody who puts a Pugs Not Drugs hoodie on their main character. I, I don't know anything about Yara. I like her already, just by that hoodie. <laughs> well, well, give me the good from this story from you. I was just, I'm sorry, I was just thinking, I was wondering if uh, you got you got a black pug and a tan pug. You obviously need a white pug. Oh! Uh, assume you're, you're, assume you're on the hunt for one right now. You can't so find you those. Collection. They're impossible <laughs> to find. Impossible. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I know. that's a shame. I know. <laughs> but, um, well, I mean, there's not really much to say about <laughs> Yeah, this. there's not much there, is there? No, um, I mean, Joelle Jones is a very talented uh, person. She's yes. a great artist. Yes. And she's a she's a talented writer. Mm-hmm. I really liked her, her Catwoman title quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. I think they made the critical mistake of having her write this under the assumption that everyone already knows who Yara Floor is. Absolutely agree. And it's like, honestly, the best thing to do would have been to just have a three-page recap of who is this person yes why are they important and yes what's going on and yes because just because it was in the news and they may have discussed it on the view or i don't know if they discussed it on the view but <laughs> it sounds like the kind of thing they would do it does most people still don't know her no and we need a reason to want to know her thank you i trust that joelle jones can do it oh yeah no doubt but i need to in a teaser, I need to be teased to want to read it. Thank you. And that was my biggest criticism. Yes, I know Joel Jones is is very talented, and I'm not mm-hmm. doubting her ability to pull off a quality comic. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is her job is to sell me. You got to yeah. sell the sizzle to me to get me to buy it, and she utterly failed in that effort, Stephen. There is no yeah. mission statement for the Wonder Girl title. No plot lines are hinted at. We don't even meet, we don't know any of the characters. We only meet one, Yara, that's it. And we don't Mm -hmm. know her. She's a new character. To assume we all know who she is, is foolish. And a huge, huge mistake. The reader has no idea why they should bother to give this comic book a try. Period. Mm -hmm. We don't get it. The reader does not get a taste of things to come on the new title as a promotional tool, which is what this is. This is a massive swing and a miss, Stephen. Massive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's unfortunate. This was a really flawed approach on how to construct a teaser story designed to get new readers to buy your new comic starring a new character. (laughs) Yeah. How would you grade out the Wonder Girl story? Man, I wish I could give it. I wish I could be be more generous or yeah. find a way to be more generous. But I'll give it a two for the writing. Yeah. And I'll give the art a six because there's other than a cute pug face on a hoodie, there's not really much for her to draw. So. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I'm gonna go. I will go the story. I'll do three Night Girls out of ten. The art. I'll pump it up to eight night girls out of 10. I'll be more generous than you for five and a half night girls out of 10 overall. Steven, again, let me ask you, what do you think of the idea of possibly having not one, not two, but three characters operating as wonder girl going forward in the DCU? I mean, are they, are they seriously just making Donna Troy wonder girl again and not Troya or whatever? We're not, I'm, I'm not too sure. I haven't seen anything yet. 
I guess we may learn more in, in Infinite Frontier as we move forward, but you've got Donna and Cassie yeah. running around there. I don't know if they're going to give them new code names or allow them to keep Wonder Girl. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll have to see. I'm not sure. I don't like the idea of three Wonder Girls, but if we're going back to the 90s for a while, I don't know why we would still we would still make Donna Troy be Wonder Girl. Right. So maybe that'll make it a little better. Agreed. All right, Stephen, now we get the Green Lantern Alan Scott story. Mm-hmm. This one brought to us by the words James Tinian, the art Stephen Byrne, and the colors Stephen Byrne. Uh, on this one, Stephen, obviously what I loved about it, come on, it's this 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 teaser issue is all about bringing back that delicious DC continuity that got trashed by the new 52. That's what this story was all about. Make no mistake about it. It's Tinian going, hey, all that stuff you love from prior to New 52, well, it's coming back. Get ready. (laughs) I got a wheelbarrow full of it for you. We get the original Justice Society of America. We get Infinity Inc. Infinity Inc., Stephen, which was an awesome, awesome comic. I loved Infinity Inc. Anybody who has not read Infinity Inc., you need to go back (laughs) and read it. It is well worth it. And why is it worth it? Steven, it's from the 80s, which is great in and of itself, but mm-hmm. it is brought, it was, that, that comic was brought to us by two icons, Roy Thomas and Jerry Ordway. And my friend, you're not going to get better than that too often. You're just not. That's a hell of a, of a creative team right there. I, Infinity Inc. was trashed by the New 52. Well, hell, the Justice Society of America was trashed by New 52. <laughs> So all these all these characters were just junked by the new fifty two for no reason. And I'm glad to see that DC's saying Alan Scott is back. The real one, not the one we got in that new fifty two Earth two title, okay, where he was a young man. No, no, not that. Mm-hmm. The real Alan Scott's back. Jade is back. Obsidian is back. His two kids. Infinity Inc. is back. We knew Just Society back. Justice Society was coming back from, from Jeff John's <laughs> Doomsday Clock. We knew that Justice Society was coming back, but it's good to see. Yes, they're officially back. Alan Scott's here. His kids are here. All of Infinity Inc., they're back as well. Right here, Stephen, in this story, Tinian reestablished a ton of continuity mm-hmm. from pre-New 52, which is what we need to see. I think for sure Infinite Frontier and it is showing it in some of these stories. DC's committed I mean, Rebirth was walking back New 52 and admitting we made some mistakes, but they still kept the, they, they didn't do a full, it wasn't a full open up the dams and bring everything back. Mm-hmm. Infinite Frontier number zero, Steven, the dams are open. Yeah. Everything is back, which I, I'm, I'm super excited for. I absolutely love it. It just made me so happy to see all these characters together. It made me so happy to see the real Alan Scott with his two kids, Obsidian and Jade. It just made me so... This just gave me the warm fuzzy, Stephen. How about you? It pretty much had the same effect on me. I was very... It was so, it was so good to see him. I've, I've missed having the Justice Society around. You know, you don't realize how long they've been gone until yeah. you really look at... You know, the New 52 was almost... Like ten years ago, God, almost seven years, or probably yeah. more than that. Yeah, but it was nice to see him. It was nice to see Obsidian and Jade. I, you know, I, you don't know how much you miss characters like that. I'm not the, I wasn't the biggest fan of, uh, of Obsidian. I like Jade a lot, but I wasn't mm-hmm. a big Obsidian guy. Right. But you don't know how much you miss them until like 
oh they're back they're yeah. finally back yeah. i'm so yeah. happy yeah it was just it was to, to have alan scott be written as alan scott yeah. i think he's he's such a special character oh yeah i really i really love him he's he's probably the closest thing the dc universe has to a captain america kind of character yeah i think yeah yeah it really it real. this was the one i think because you know reading batman it was like yeah it's it's hitting on batman it's gonna be great you sure know, the the rest were kind of kind of iffy but this was the one that made me go okay yeah now i'm allowing myself to be excited that yes they know that they know what they're doing they have yes. they have something here that i can be excited about yep yep uh I had my only small complaint. I'm not, am I, you know me, I'm old school. Nah. I don't like retconning my characters. I never will. I know it may be a defect in how I view my characters, but Alan Scott is a character with an 80 year history. So I don't think you mess with 80 years of history. Uh, if you want more gay characters, then Hey, you go the route of creating new, new characters. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't overly thrilled that they decided to smush some of the earth Two. New 52 Alan Scott into our original Alan yeah. Scott, because that's what they did. They kind of smushed the New 52 in there with that, because the New 52 Alan Scott was gay. Uh, so I'm not thrilled about that. It's not how I would handle my characters, especially one with an 80-year history. But having said of that, and I thought the reveal of it felt forced and kind of awkward, a little bit melodramatic. But putting that aside, it's not going to stop me from enjoying the comic. It's not going to stop me from buying the comic. It's not going to stop me from being absolutely psyched and happy that Alan Scott is back. I had, I, I, it's not how I would handle things. I've said it. I move on. It's not going to prevent me from enjoying the character in the comic going forward. Yeah. It's it obviously, he's obviously the same, the yep. same person. That's it's right. just that one yep. thing is different. Yep. That's right. What do you think about the possibility, Stephen? It sounds like Alan is alluding to the fact that he's going to be joining the justice incarnate. Yes. Mm-hmm. And do you like the, let me have you, give me your opinion on this. The use of the word Sentinel. Do you think mm-hmm. Alan Scott will be operating under his 1990s code name Sentinel or will DC be smart and let him keep the Green Lantern <laughs> name? Because he is still the, in all caps, Green Lantern. Yeah. I really hope they'll let him still be Green Lantern. Yeah. I wouldn't mind like if that's like his code name when he's it with Justice Incarnate, right? As like a representative of our world, right? But if he's with the Justice Society on our world, he has to be Green Lantern. Yep. Well, look at it, Stephen. Is first of all, we got a billion Green Lanterns. One more is not going to hurt, yeah. right? And if your universe can have a billion <laughs> Wonder Girls and Robins and Bat Girls, you could you could have one. One more Green Lantern for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so how would you get out the Alan Scott story? I have no problem saying that this was my favorite one out of all the stories. Um, yes. I had so many like emotions of of just a lot of a lot of happiness. Mainly, yeah. I'm gonna give, and I really like the art as well. I thought that I thought it was yeah. very um, nice, it was very wasn't it? cool. Yeah, yeah, it was. So I'll give the writing, I'll give the writing, I'm going to give it a nine. I really enjoyed it a lot, so much more than I thought I would out of such a relatively small part of the, the right. whole issue. Right. And I'll give the art, I'll give the art an eight as well. Mm-hmm. I was 
feeling super positive on this one. Obviously. Yeah, me too. I'll go. I'll give the story eight night girls out of ten. I'm just super mm-hmm. happy about all the wonderful continuity coming back. The art. I'm gonna go eight night girls out of ten as well. Stephen Burns. He's a nice artist. He's got a very clean, smooth style that really works well. Stephen with a superhero comic. I like it a lot. So overall, eight night girls out of ten. And this was probably the one that made me the happiest with the exception of something we'll get to a little bit down the road. The Teen Titans Academy story, Stephen. This is brought to us, the words by Tim Sheridan, the art by Rafa Sandoval and Jordi Tarragona, the colors by Alejandra Sanchez. For me, Stephen, again, very short, very short user issue. I like the fact that it's only two pages, Stephen, but damn. (laughs) Props to Sheridan because he did everything. He did everything he could do in just two pages to get you to want to read this title. Mm-hmm. He, he he set forth, hey, you got teen, superpowered teens on Titans Island, here to be a school, trained to become superheroes, go. Yep. He did it in two pages. That's harder than it sounds. <laughs> so I liked I liked that a lot. I also, of course, the big, the big reveal on this story obviously is Red X. Mm-hmm. Who saw that coming, Steven? Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. Red yeah. X, for people who don't know, was a, is a character from the Teen Titans animated series. Never mm-hmm. been in the DCU, in the comic book world. Never, never. In the animated series, the first Red X was Dick Grayson. There was then a second Red X, who we never learned who they were. That identity remained mm-hmm. a secret. So, Steven... Red X is now in the DCU officially. We don't know who it's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be a, a, an older character. Mm-hmm. Now assuming this new mantle, if it's going to be a brand spanking new character. I, either way, I don't care. I'm super excited to see. I love the, <laughs> Teen, the Teen Titans animated series, one of my all-time favorite animated series. So I'm super excited to see Red X coming into the comic side. This is a really smart move by DC. It got me pumped up. I'm excited. How about you? I'm pretty stoked. I'm interested to see what they do with it. I'm trying to be careful because I love the cartoon series so much. <laughs> right, right. And I hope that they they find a good uh, a good way to, to balance that, you know. Because mm-hmm. he wasn't – well, the second Red X was not a hero. He was, That's right. you know, a, a villain. I yes. hope they don't – I don't want to say a villain. He was kind of a, maybe an anti-villain. I don't know. He didn't seem like a, a, a horrible person. He's kind of an anti-hero maybe. Yeah. I hope that they keep that part of his, of his character. You Agreed. know, I think that would make him uh, a nice, a nice fit, you yes. know, a nice kind of character to balance out all the, the traditional heroics that they're probably going to be teaching on this Titans Island. Agreed. Do you have a preference for the Red X to be a character that you already know? Or do you have a, would you rather it be a brand new character? That's a good question because I don't know who I would want it to be that yeah. I already know. Me neither. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's hard. It, it's hard. It'd be hard to pick one. So I would, I'll say, I'm going to take a, a chance and say, let's deal with somebody new and let's see. How it how it works out? <laughs> yeah, I think you go with someone new as well because I I just can't think of a yeah. character I'd want to see take that take up that mantle either. 
for me, Stephen, the only criticism I have is I'm a little concerned about the fact, was anyone out there asking for a Teen Titans Academy comic book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, not, and not not like some, this particular, but was anyone, no, not the specific thing, but was anyone asking for this type of comic? Was anyone saying, was anyone asking for this style of comic? I, I, I have to say no. Yeah. And that's a concern when you make a title that no one was asking for. That's a mm-hmm. bit of a concern. I'm also concerned that this might end up being a very lame ripoff of things we've gotten before from the House mm-hmm. of the Mouse, who has done yeah. this a lot in Avengers Academy or mm-hmm. a myriad of the teen X-Men titles that we have gotten, like the New Mutants or yeah. Wolverine and the X-Men. I mean, it's on and on and on. This could really feel like DC copying Marvel in a not in a forced way that doesn't work. That's my big yeah. worry with this direction. How about you? Um, you are not wrong about that. That is actually the first thing that I thought of when I saw the kids getting on the boat to the island. I was like, oh God, please don't. Please don't be a ripoff. Please don't be a yeah. ripoff. Please. And then it was like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll have to see if it's a ripoff or not. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it kind of also annoys me a little bit. I will say that if, if DC felt like they needed a new teen team title mm-hmm. in a dorm style setting, well, you already have the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> Just saying, maybe you put a writer like Joshua Williamson on the Legion of Superheroes and you would have a bona fide hit on your hands. Moving yeah. on, Stephen. How would you <laughs> how would you grade the Teen Titans Academy story? I mean, like you, I was impressed that they were able to pull off doing so much well of what they really needed to do, selling the whole concept of yep. the of the title, doing the whole introducing you like at least visually to some of these characters. I saw like a, a small monkey in the back. I was yes. like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And then the reveal that uh, Red X will also be there, who was yep. also in the future state titles, I think. Yep. Um, he was president for that. So I think that's very impressive. And I like very impressive. Like yeah. you cannot, that is not easy. Right. Agreed. Um, so I do want to give him his props for that. Other than that, I don't think there's really anything much that's impressive about it. Mm-hmm to be honest with you. Agreed. But I think it did the job of a tease okay. So, you know, I'll give it a... What do I, what do I want to give it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it... You know, I'll be very... I'll be generous. I'll give it a five because I'm impressed with what he what he was right. able to do. Right. Um, the art The art's okay. I'll give it a five as well. I mean, I think that shot of the, the tea, like when they're arriving, is really cool. Yes. It gives you that grand, like, oh my God, you know, Agreed. it's... It, it's uh, I I did like that I appreciated that a lot yeah but yeah overall it's just yep it's not much content wise nope. but you know respect to to Mr Sheridan for, for <laughs> giving it what he got yep agreed <laughs> I, I will go I'll go higher than you the story I'll give seven echoes out of ten only because of the red X appearance and it effectively did what it's supposed to do even if my hopes are extraordinarily low about what the title is actually going to be. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and the art, I will go seven night girls out of 10 only because I really like that splash shot. So that's yeah. it. All right, Stephen. The Superman story brought to us the words by Philip Kennedy Johnson, the art by Jamal Eagle, colors by Hi Fi, 
for me, Stephen, the only good to this story was Jamal Iggle's artwork. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. He's a wonderful artist. I love his style of art. It's perfect for a mainstream superhero comic. It's lively. It's cool. Great action. The panel layouts are creative. They're interesting looking. I like the art. That's where the good starts and ends for me. How about you? I think there's potential to do something interesting. I don't see it right now with what they're trying to do. Right. Um, so could it work? Maybe. I I really wish that, um, like, uh, Tomasi had, uh, you know, found somebody that he wanted to keep writing that character of Jonathan Kent. Right. And ask yeah. DC to have them do it. Yeah. Because I feel like we're getting into like a Damian Wayne situation yes. where it seems like only certain people can write them, but yep. everybody wants to throw them in things. So yep. it's, I don't know. It's just, got it. It's this, it's disappointing. I think there's, I think there's potential here, but I'm not going to hold my breath for anything. Right. Uh, for me, what I didn't like about it is the story, obviously. It, yeah. Part of it part of it is just me, okay? So your mileage may vary depending on your own view of the Superman franchise, and I respect that. That's mm-hmm. fine. For me, I have zero interest in anyone not named Kal-El or Clark Kent mm-hmm. having the mantle Superman. Period. Right. Bar none. End of story. I have no, That's just like I have no desire to see anyone with the mantle of Batman other than Bruce Wayne. I just, I just don't. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to see two Supermen running around because it's my firm belief that DC should only ever have a single Batman and a single Superman, period. End of story. Those are very special characters, very special within the place of the DCU, and that should be respected. And so for me, Infinite Frontier is the perfect time for DC to get rid of Jonathan's character. I don't see where an adult Jonathan Kent makes any sense in the main DCU going forward. I like Clark and Lois together as a married couple, but without kids. You've already got Connor Kent in the DCU, who effectively serves Mm -hmm. the role of Superboy, and he's beloved, and he's popular. There is just no room or point to having Jonathan in the current DCU as either Superboy or Superman. He is a holdover from a messy, messy time in DC's continuity that started with the end of the New 52 and bled into Convergence and then bled into Rebirth. It's an opportunity for DC to clean up one of their messes from that period in time, and they didn't do it, and they should have. That's my, that's my, again, people may disagree. That's fine. That's just my, my take on it. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) (laughs) But I get it. I understand. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not, it's not like, um, it's not like it's such an, you know, out of left field take. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand why someone would feel that way. And right. like, oh my god, how could you possibly say something like that? Madman. It's um, not bad. Yes, <laughs> it's something. I, I'll say I wasn't impressed with what, right, with what I was shown here. Yep. So, yep. How would you grade up the Superman story? I would give it a two. Um, wasn't very impressed. And I will give the I'll give the art a I'll give the art a nine. I thought that was that was fantastic. And, uh, and we'll just uh, yeah. we'll just go with that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're <laughs> reading my mind, Stephen. I'm gonna go story. I'll give it three Night Girls out of ten. But the artwork, I will give nine Night Girls out of ten for an overall yeah. six Night Girls out of ten. All right, my friend. Green Arrow and Black Canary story. This one brought to us the words by Joshua Williamson. The art by Alex Maliv. The colors by Jordi Belair. This one also made me Stephen. This is the only scene that beat 
the Alan Scott scene. This is yeah. the only one. Why? Well, let's let's come on. First, you get the return of Green Arrow and Black Canary back mm-hmm. how they should be with all their memories yep. from the DC continuity prior to New 52. They're in love, they're together, they're a team, and they remember their entire history from before the New 52. Happy days are here again, Stephen. All is right with the world. (laughs) This made me phenomenally happy. I thought it couldn't get any better, Stephen. Because to me, Ollie and Dinah are one of the best DC couples. Mm. Period. They're they're, they're up there. Definitely. They're up there with Ralph and Sue Dibney. They just Mm -hmm. are. They're up there with Barry Allen and and Iris West. They they are one of the true power couples of the DCU. So I thought, I'm done. This, this story can't get better, Stephen. It cannot get any better. And then it did. <gasps> Joshua Williamson. Oh, my God. He did it. He said, Tom King, now, I see what you did there, and I got to clean that up because Roy <laughs> Harper is back, my friend. That's right, Roy Harper, mm-hmm. who was unceremoniously killed off in Heroes in Crisis number one, and then, Stephen, his death was made even worse when it was mm-hmm. revealed in Heroes in Crisis number eight that Wally West killed him. I, I yeah. cannot put it. We, we podcasted about Heroes in Crisis. We don't, know, go down, we don't need to go down this road again. You can go to comicbook.com yeah. and get my, all my opinions on this. <laughs> this was a massive mistake by, yes. take your pick. I don't know, Dan Didio, Tom King, both. Doesn't matter. Massive mistake made by DC and Heroes in Crisis. Joshua mm-hmm. Williamson has rectified that. I love how Joshua Williamson doesn't even bother trying to tell you how it happened. He has Roy going, I don't know how I'm here, why yeah. I'm here, what happened, <laughs> but I, suddenly I'm back to life. Fine. Yeah. Just get him back. You can you can work the rest out later, which Joshua Williamson, he's good enough. He can do that. I have all the, I have all the faith in the world in him. That made me super excited, Stephen. Super excited. And Williamson, who's always doing world building, Stephen, even in a teaser story, he does world building because he has Ollie and Dinah talk about how Mr. Terrific is telling the heroes that they'll be getting their pre-New 52 memories back as time progresses. Look at that world building in a teaser issue, <laughs> in a teaser story. This is cool, Stephen, because this means that our pre-New 52 continuity is going to continue to resurface. As we, this, is Williamson, this is Williamson telling you, don't worry, guys. As we move forward, it's all going to be coming back. It's all going to be coming right. back. And I like that Mr. Terrific is playing a pivotal role going forward in dealing with the new multiverse. He's probably going to be a member of the Justice Incarnate, is mm-hmm. my guess, which is a good yeah. role, great role for Mr. Terrific. So these are all the things that made me super-duper happy, Stephen. How about you? Yeah, I agree. It's nice to nice to see them back together. And not just back together, because they were back together during Rebirth, but back together, but back to their old selves. Yes, with their memories back. Yep, that's right. And, <laughs> with, uh, and with more coming, I guess, um, which I'm very excited. I think that'd be very, I think it'd be interesting to, to follow them yeah. as they learn more and more yeah. about, you know, what happened in the past. Yeah. I'm happy that Roy's back as well. I knew he was going to come back. We all did. <laughs> I mean, you just knew. Even in that, even in that tie-in with the, uh, what was it, the Red Hood and the Outlaws? Yes. Like they even said, like, yeah, we know, 
until you come back. <laughs> That's right, because because uh, Jason Todd refused to to mourn Roy's yeah. death, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, and they all said you're in denial. He goes, "No, man, he's coming back." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's nice to see that it's. You know, another another short story, but there's a lot in there to really enjoy. Um, the biggest thing I think is it shows a true commitment, at least on Joshua Williamson's part and Tinian's part with the Alan Scott story to you know this was the this was the good stuff. Yep. This the stuff, you know, they're younger, they probably came up reading this kind of stuff, and this is the stuff that they love that yep. got them into DC and they're bringing it back. They're going to make sure that everyone knows yeah. this is the DC that we, that you know, and love and yes. we are bringing it back. Yeah, absolutely. Better absolutely. than ever. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And you know, Stephen, I thought beyond the big continuity work that Williamson does, as far as trying to get you enticing a green arrow, black canary adventure in the future, I thought Williamson did a great job with both characters. I thought the dialogue was excellent. I thought the chemistry between Ali and Dinah was wonderful. They had good external voices I mean, legit organic chemistry. I was impressed in how he was able to write the two characters in just a few panels, Stephen. It's a testament to, to Williamson's amazing writing ability to pull up that kind of character work in just a few panels in such a concise fashion. That's phenomenal. But it got me interested. Like, man, if he, if he wrote a Black Canary Green Arrow title, uh, I'd buy it. <laughs> yeah, it's, their dynamic is 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 wonderful. I think they have a great rapport with each other. It's, yep. And they're both great characters. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm game. If he's going to write a title, then I will definitely, I will definitely pick it up. Yep. How would you grade out the green arrow, black and arrow story? For what it was, taking yeah, into sure. account limitations. Yeah. Um, I'll give the writing, I'll give the writing an eight. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a huge fan of the art, so I'll give it a six. thought it was okay, but yeah. not like, you know, agreed. Extraordinary. Alex Maliev is a bit of an acquired taste. He's very stylized and and yeah. Yeah, that, that tends to happen with his kind of art. You have to have the right kind of story for him, in my opinion, yeah. to really shine. Mm -hmm. I would go the story rating, Stephen. I'm going to give it, oh yeah, baby, 10. Oh. Bootylicious <laughs> night girls in her tight little leather outfit out of 10. That's right. That's right. 10, baby. And the art, I will go, I'm with you. Six Night Girls out of 10 for an overall of eight Night Girls out of 10. All right, Stephen. Let's go to the Star Girl story. This one, the words by Jeff Johns, the art by Todd Nock, the colors by Hi-Fi. Stephen, this one was crazy. I see this story. I, I turn the page. It's a Star Girl teaser story. And I'm like, could give a crap. I hate Star Girl. I, don't, I hate strong <laughs> words, Stephen. She, I just find her to be annoying. She's like that annoying bubblegum. Like, I just want to punch in the face just characters like that annoy me because you know i'm i'm a dark-hearted curmudgeon steven uh, so <laughs> i was like i'm gonna hate this story i should probably just yeah. skip it right now but i didn't and boy <laughs> am i glad because that crafty jeff johns he was like oh you don't you don't have any interest in star girl's character well can i interest you in the original seven soldiers of victory can I interest you in Pat Duggan back as Courtney's father and acting as Stripesy in the Stripe armor? Can I interest you in that? And to that I say, oh, hell yeah, you can. Hell yeah, you can interest me in that, my friend. So while I don't really care about Courtney's character so much, I do love Pat Duggan. 
and I'm so glad that he is back and better than ever, Stephen. This is awesome. The New 52, like so many things, Stephen, just throwing everything away, the New 52 trashed the Seven Soldiers of Victory. They trashed Stripesy. They trashed Pat Duggan. Pat Duggan in the New 52 was just some guy who was dating Courtney's mom. That's it. That's it. Now he's back. He is married to Courtney's mom like he was pre-New 52. He is the stepfather to Courtney. He is mm-hmm. he is in his stripe armor, acting as stripesy like he was pre-New 52 with the original Seven Soldiers of Victory in operation like mm-hmm. they were pre-New 52. It's again, Stephen, we're just bringing it all back all that delicious goodness that made you love the dcu it's back and i love it i ate the story up with a spoon i loved everything about it and by the end of the story steven by the end of the story i didn't even find star girl to be that annoying how about that huh i didn't even find her to be that annoying i don't think she is a good enough character to carry a title solo Sure. But I think she's good enough to carry it with a very strong supporting cast in Pat mm-hmm. Duggan and the Seven Soldiers of Victory. I definitely do think that. I think you are right about that, for sure. That will be a must. Now, I do believe that if anyone can do it, that it would be Jeff Johns. Yes. So I am very excited to see what happens going forward. I When I saw the stripe armor, I was like, because <laughs> he just drops it out of nowhere smash yep and it was like it was like an it was a nice airdrop of nostalgia almost yes it, it was, was just falling right onto your to your expectations for what it was like oh my god there's more yeah yeah just fantastic right yeah it was and seeing the original seven soldiers oh. of victory was was a was a pretty hype moment i remember um looking through my old encyclopedia of the DC universe when I was a kid and <gasps> yeah. the S's and yeah. seeing the seven soldiers. And it was almost like that exact image, yes. but from like an older comic was what they used. Uh huh. And so I was like, Oh my God, it's hitting me in the feels. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. Yep. And I also like the art. I like Todd. Uh, knock he's a good good artist i think he can yeah, always he depend on him he gives good facial expressions to his characters even in dialogue heavy scenes he makes them interesting looking he just has a wonderful style of art that makes it, it's just made for mainstream superhero comics so i'm mm-hmm. always a fan of knock i like it when he gets when he gets work so that made me happy as well yep same here how would you grade out the star girl story i'll give the writing i'll give this one a nine as well mm-hmm I'll admit a lot of it's for the nostalgia, but yes. I thought John's did a really good job with it. Yep. And I'll give the art, I'll give the art an eight. I really dug it. I thought it was nice. It had like a nineties vibe too. It did. Which is something that I really appreciated. Totally agree. I'm right there with you. I would go story uh, nine night girls out of 10, the art eight night girls out of 10 or eight and a half overall. All right. We're yeah. locked up on that one. All right, Steven. Nice. Next up is. The Green Lantern story, that one, the words Jeffrey Thorne, the art Dexter Soy, colors Alex Sinclair. The most interesting part of this story, Stephen, for me, is that we learned that Hal, Kyle, Guy, and Jessica are all on a team that is protecting the Crux world 
that sounds like an excellent team and an interesting mm-hmm. mission, and I want to buy that title. That's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> so they sold me on a title that they weren't trying to sell me on. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? My biggest problem with this is that I thought the art was horrendous. Oh, the art was terrible, um, Stephen. Just ooh. yeah. Ooh. You have a you have a character have a character who is African American. Yeah. You have a character who is Lebanese. Um, Lebanese, and you have a character who is isn't she uh, Brazilian nope, or something? She's, she's from Bolivia. Bolivian. And they look exactly the same. They're all, all three identical. Yeah. That drove me insane, <laughs> Stephen. That drove me insane yeah. because Lebanese do not look mm-hmm. like either Bolivians or black Americans. And okay. Bolivians, they don't look like Lebanese or black Americans either. Nope. I, I, yet all three identical. That was yeah. horrible. DC... Well, if you're gonna, if you want more diverse characters, maybe you should teach your artists how to draw the more diverse characters. Just saying, I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, I will, I will say this. Yeah, I could tell that Teen Lantern was a female. You could. So there is that. There is that. They at least got that part down. I'll, I'll, there you go. I will give I will give Dexter Soy <laughs> credit for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. That and Alex yeah. Sinclair as the colorist deserves uh, some of that blame too. Yes, because the definitely. colorist should know how to properly color said characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so absolutely. Uh, are you interested at all in this title? I'm not. I like John Stewart, and it's sad that John Stewart got got saddled with two absolute. Dud, D-list characters. <laughs> I mean, Baz, really? That dude is is like the green... He might as well be like a beige wall with a power ring. I mean, come on. Nobody likes Baz. And if you meet somebody who says they like Baz, it's a bot. They don't really like Baz. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Teen Lantern is... is She's as one-dimensional a character as ever because, well, it's a Brian Bendis character and he doesn't... Yeah, that's what he does, and that name, that that idiotic code name. If you ever want that character to grow, that that mm-hmm. code name's got to go because yep. it just makes her sound like a joke. It just does. You can't mm-hmm. be a successful good character with a joke name because no one will take you seriously. She she needs a new. Just call her Green Lantern for Christ's sake. Just call her Green Lantern. If she's gonna be part of the Green Lantern Corps, call her Green Lantern. That Teen Lantern yep. thing is three times too cute. And it's a dad joke that a guy in his fifties like Bendis would make. It's 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 a bet. It's what you know the dads think is funny. It's it's a bad idea. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's pretty lame. It's yeah. <laughs> I really wish Stephen that DC took John Stewart and put him on the team with Guy Hallen, Kyle, and yeah. took Jessica and put her on the team with Teen Lantern and Baz. That would have been mm-hmm. my preference. I know why they didn't do that. I know why they didn't do it because you can't put all the A-listers on one team and all the D-listers on the other team, right? Yep. I know why they did it. They're hoping, well, if we put John Stewart, these two losers, he'll give them the rub and people will (laughs) want to read the title because John Stewart's on it, right? And we'll put Jessica on this team because all the cool characters that people want to read the comic and those cool characters and Guy, Hal, and Kyle will give Jessica the rub. I I, I, I understand why you did it, but I wish you didn't. (laughs) 
All right. How would you create the Green Lantern story? Straight twos. The writing's not very interesting. Yeah. And the art is just atrocious. Horrible. They even had a perfect moment of like, all right, here you go, buddy. We're going to, it's the coming in on Oa. You know, we're going to give you a chance to show your stuff. Yes. And then it's like. That's the money shot. Flat and boring and not well defined at all. And it's like, yeah. this is not good, man. Like, yeah. stop. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. I'm, I'm, it's the only one I read that I was like, is this over yet? <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm with you. This is, I, I'm very, very similar to you. The story, I'll give it three night girls out of 10. The art, two night girls out of 10 for two and a half night girls overall. Just no mm-hmm. thanks. I'll pass. The yeah. next story, Stephen, is the flash story. The words Joshua mm-hmm. Williamson, the art Howard Porter, and the colors hi-fi. This one, it's Williamson, Stephen. It's the flash. <laughs> Oh, it's not to like. This is perfection. Come on. It's Barry Allen. It's Wally West written by Joshua Williamson. You know it's going to be just gold. Come on. And Williamson again because he is the man and he's crazy talented. He knows how to deliver a teaser story. He clearly sets forward Barry Allen's mission statement. He clearly sets forward Wally West's mission statement. He clearly Mm -hmm. lets the reader know what kind of story you're going to get. It's going to be big grand cosmic scale action adventure with Barry Allen. And it's going to be awesome, traditional classic flash stories in central city with Wally West. Boom. Mm -hmm. Done. Perfect. Nailed it. That's how you do a teaser issue, Steven. And what I'm really excited about is that finally, because I, I love, look, I, I think, I think most readers are like me in that we all love both Barry Allen and Wally West. Now your default flash is whoever was the flash when you were a kid and first started reading comics, right? I mean, right. there's no mystery behind <laughs> this. All right. So yeah. if it's Barry Allen, that's that, that, that's your default flash. If it was Wally, mm-hmm. that's your default flash. And no problem with that. Zero problem with that at all. And why people can't seem to get past this concept that other people have Barry as the default or, or was they can't understand why they have that. It's not that hard to figure out. So yeah, I, I've never understood why people just can't understand that fact. It's pretty easy and it's, it's easy to accept why people have that view. But since I love both of them so much, Stephen, I have been begging since they brought now Wally West, of course, again, new 52 junked Wally West stupid, but that's what the new 52 did mm-hmm. since they brought him back. He's had no place. And the reason why he had no place is because the new 52 gave us the fake Wally West. Mm-hmm. The new 52 Wally West and kept him around when they brought back the everyone's favorite ginger American Wally yeah. West. That's confusing. That's bad storytelling. And that doesn't help you make your stuff new reader friendly. So they needed to figure out the Wally West problem and the Barry Allen problem. How can these characters exist at the same time together and have their own unique purpose? Well, just let Joshua Williamson and his awesome talent figure that out. Barry Allen with the Justice Incarnate Stephen is perfect for Barry Allen. Honestly, Barry needed a new start. He needed yeah. a refresh. Him being in Central City with Iris and everything, it just as much as I've been enjoying the Flash, it just wasn't it it wasn't working. It it felt mm-hmm. stale. It felt like Barry's character was just giving us retread material from the Silver Age. Barry really needed a fresh start. He really did. Badly. So I think this is perfect. Barry has always been who is what Flash is more closely tied, Stephen, to the Speed Force 
and to traveling between realities. That's Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Bar none. He's always been the explorer of all the flashes. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. They even bring it up in the story. Exactly. So I think Barry Allen... I mean, look, Barry Allen traveled to the Marvel Universe, Stephen, after he died in uh, Infinite... Uh, Infinite Crisis, for crying out loud. (laughs) This is the perfect, perfect mission for Barry Allen, and it's consistent with his character, Stephen. You're not shoehorning him into something weird that doesn't feel right. This feels right Mm -hmm. for Barry's character. It's going to give breathe new life into his character. This is what he needs. I'm super excited by what Williamson has picked for Barry, just like I am super excited what he picked for Wally, having him Mm -hmm. be the Flash with the Justice League and the Flash on in Central City, that is perfect for Wally as well. He managed to do it. He managed to accomplish it. Both uh-huh. men are where they should be. That's really going to help both characters. That's fantastic. I love it. Uh-huh. Now, having said that, Stephen, I am very concerned. Williamson has his work cut out for him because trying to rehabilitate Wally West after Heroes in Crisis treated him like a piece of trash, made him a mass murderer, had him acting like a little baby getting kicked in the balls and being treated like a punchline. I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying Tom King made it your job really damn hard to rehabilitate that character. I don't, unless they retcon away heroes in crisis. What do you think, Stephen? I don't think it'll be that hard. I think most of us have already forgotten it. And <laughs> don't like think about it anyway. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. I mean, is there anybody who likes Wally West who looks at that and goes, yeah, that's really, I can't, that's, that's his character now. Like, no, we right. all know that was a, a bad, a bad, bad thing that they did and that they should go sit in a corner and, <laughs> and think about what they did. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it'll be okay. <laughs> are you excited about this path forward? Oh yeah, of course. I'm glad to see, I'm happy to see Wally West back on the justice league on earth as the flash. I know some people, some people that we know will be upset about that, yes. but you know, I don't care about what that, I don't care about what they think. I'm happy that Wally is, is the flash, but I'm also glad that uh, Barry is, he's getting to do something different. He's getting to do yeah. something exciting and fun and something yeah. that fits him. It's a, like you said, it's a good fresh start for him. And I think, uh, I think he deserves it. <laughs> he's been through a lot. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you this, Steven, we don't know mm-hmm. yet, but we see, Wally and Barry clearly are the center of all attention. Mm-hmm. They shout out Jay Garrick because they're going to go mm-hmm. have a little barbecue with Jay Garrick. Yeah. The New 52 Wally isn't named. Does mm-hmm. New 52 Wally stick around? How do you pull that off when you have officially washed away the New 52, reinstated all the pre-New 52 continuity? Ah, do they do that? Well, they were talking about the, new fi- the pre-New 52 continuity then that means that they'd have Jay, Barry, Wally, Bart, Max, Mercury, yep. Jesse Quick, yep. uh, Wally's kids. Yep. Yeah, so... Johnny Quick. Yeah, Johnny Quick as well. You well, have excess? I don't know if they're going to do that in this one. You don't think so? <laughs> Not yet. I was thinking of, um, what was it, The Flash Rebirth? Yes. Um, so I remember that big splash shot, and I was like, oh, my God, there's so many speedsters. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So if if they were going to keep him, there's precedent for that. <laughs> right. We'll just, 
add them to the list. Right. <laughs> I hope they uh, they change his name or give him a code a new code name or something to at least like avoid that confusion. I I because yeah. that the excuse that they gave when the original Wally came back was just stupid. Oh, it was the same uncle. They're in the same family now. Yeah. I no. 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 That yeah. was that. That um, made no sense. Agreed. I think that has to be cleaned up. Definitely. Oh, and then there's that inertia one. The, um, oh yes. The, the the Asian lady in the that's right. Seat. Yeah. Oh boy. Jeez. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, how would you grab the flash story, Stephen? Um, this is another one of those ones that really that really made me feel excited for for the future of DC. So yes. I will give it. Um, I'll give it straight nines. I love. It was Howard Porter again, right? Yes, it was. Looking good. He's still he's still on fire. How he is. Uh, I remember a time where he wasn't as consistent, but that's that time is not now. Agreed. He is consistently agreed. Amazing. Yes, sir. So, yep, that, I'll give it a straight nines, and I'm definitely gonna gonna pick this up. Oh, yeah, me in too. The future. Me too. I'm, I'm all over this. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> if Barry and Wally are in two separate titles, I'll buy I'll buy both. I don't care. Yeah. I'll give the story rating <laughs> nine night girls out of ten. The art eight night girls out of ten for eight and a half night girls out of mm-hmm. ten overall. All right, Stephen. Then we go to the Spectre and Wonder Woman story, and that's kind of like all the scenes that the Spectre and Wonder Woman are, are in, in between all the mm-hmm. various teaser stories. The words yeah. are Joshua Williamson, with help from James Tinian and Scott Snyder, mm-hmm. art by John Timms, colors by Alex Sinclair. This is really the new direction for Diana's character, and I'm glad she declined to join the Quintessence because placing her in such a passive group of observers would be a total waste of her character, so thumbs up right. for that. I love Tim's art. It's very pretty. He does a lot of cool splash shots. He really nails the grand scope of the multiverse, so thumbs up to that. That's yeah. what I liked. What did you like? I like the art. I like that white costume that she had. I, yeah, I just cool really costume. dug that. Other than that, there's not really much. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a spine of the issue. It's just what connects everything and their little comments on yep. what's going on and all that, yep. so it's it's not really, it's not really that much to to discuss. I don't think. I well, you know, I didn't like Stephen. I don't like her new direction. It's obvious her new direction is going to be that she's a god who is going to go explore other mythologies in the DCU, mm-hmm. and that doesn't. Maybe this turns out to be really cool. I'll keep an open mind. But as I stand here right now, I'm totally unsold on this direction. And there are several reasons why. I guess it's once again DC just displaying a lack of understanding of how to handle Diana's character. And this just, Stephen, this happens over and over and over. DC has a serious history of this. Wonder Woman is one of DC's trinity. They are the holy trinity of DC's universe. They are the three pillars for the DC universe, period. They're the top three characters of the entire DCU. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet only one of those three has DC displayed a consistent lack of understanding of the core characteristics and mission statement. And that's the Wonder Woman. They, when it comes to Batman and Superman, DC has been very good. These are the core mission statements for Batman and Superman. These are their core roles within the DCU, and they are unwavering, Stephen. They have been unwavering through the decades. 
not been the case for Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. She doesn't ever have. She's she's not had a clear, obvious mission statement that doesn't waver through the decades. She doesn't have a clear, obvious role within the DCU through the decades. Instead, they constantly change her character, replace her, change her, kill her, do this, do that, blah, 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 change her look. It's, it's one thing after the next. They don't show the confidence and commitment mm-hmm. to Diana's character that they show to Clark and to Bruce. That bothers me. That really bothers me. And on, on, a, on a much smaller level, not only is that shown through the stories they pick and what role she has in the DCU, it's also shown into something as basic as a costume. Batman and Superman's costumes are iconic. Now, you may get slight tweaks to those costumes, Stephen, but those costumes are largely unchanged. Let's be honest. They're largely unchanged. Even the little tweaks, they're very, very minor. You would show that costume to anybody who reads comics or does not read comics, and they will tell you that's Superman, that's Batman. Mm-hmm. They don't change. Wonder Woman, she does have an iconic costume, but she's not allowed to keep that iconic look. Instead, they give her this costume and this one and that one and this look, and and she doesn't have that consistent iconic look. And that new costume they give her, again, just throw this random, generic, stupid Viking costume on her because we don't care about this character and we don't respect her history, and you wouldn't do that to Batman or Superman. You don't do it to Wonder Woman, in my opinion. I think DC has continually showed a lack of faith and disrespect to her character that they've not given to Bruce and Clark. Yeah, it's usually up to the writer to to give her to give her importance because Scott Snyder gave her a big boost in Death Metal. She yep. was the main character. Yep, that entire thing. She was yep. the one everything hinged on. And um, and she saved the multiverse. It was her. Yep. You know, it wasn't Superman or Batman. It was Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was great. I like the upgrade that he gave her. Um, I think it gives her that ability to to kind of hover above everything, mm-hmm. like as a god, but also be able to intervene like Wonder Woman would if yep. something came up. Yep. I would just say I know that we we know that she is supposed to be exploring other mythologies, which um, I don't have an inherent problem with that. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I like explore. I like mythology. I yep. like other like com- com- comparative sure. mythology. I like stuff like that, yep. but you didn't, they didn't say, they didn't give you a hint of that in this right. story. Right. She just said, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to join. I'm not going to join you. And then they showed the splash shot, and she's in that costume, and then that's it. Yep. Yep. There's no hint of her direction except that she's not going to be in the quintessence. You got it. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It really failed to sell me on what are you doing with Diana's character going forward. Yeah. It didn't sell me at all. Mm-hmm. So as a teaser, that didn't work. How would you grade out the Spectre Wonder Woman story? What little there was, um, I'll give the... I'll I'll give the writing a four. I think they, for those three guys, it's very surprising. I think they they didn't really define, they didn't really give her much of a definition of, you know, what is she going to do? Yep. What's her what's her role? What's the purpose? What what is her role going forward? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a <laughs> some major problem. Yeah. So I'll give I'll give the writing a four. I'll give the art. I'll give the artists. 
seven because what little there was i thought was really good i like her that white costume i wish they would have just let her keep it yeah. i think it's a Me too. pretty pretty cool costume yeah it is but you know it's uh i like the splash shot they had overall yes. of the heroes yep, yep, um i yep. i just wasn't a fan of her costume yep if they had like kept her original costume mm-hmm. but they let her have the cape or whatnot i would have been okay with that right because she's had a, a red cape before yes. so like, oh, okay it's kind of like what she had the thing you know right in the past. exactly but now exactly she got a dumb helmet yep i would give the story five necros out of ten or mm. eight necros out of ten so all That's right steven the epilogue Okay. Yes, sir. The epilogue written by <laughs> Joshua Williamson, art by John Romita Jr. and Claus Jansen. Ooh, old school there, Stephen. Old school. That's right. And the colors, Brad Anderson. <laughs> uh, this is the teaser to get you to come back to read Infinite Frontier number one and the big event in June, right? That's what this teaser yep. is. I like the idea of Earth Omega. And mm-hmm. it looks like we're going to get Dark Side as the bad guy. And yes. Him killing the quintessence was certainly a shocking moment. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. I'm sure we will see the quintessence getting resurrected at some point during Frontier, Infinite Frontier big event. I w- one would think there are too many yeah. big cosmic characters for that <laughs> not to happen. I think Wimson will do a great job with the story. I'm excited for this big event. Dark side as the villain for the big event. I guess it's been long enough, but I just... I just feel like Steven, ever since Grant Morrison's Final Crisis, I feel like we've gotten a lot of Dark Side. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of him in the New 52 with the Justice League. I just feel like we get a lot of him. But, you know, he is a great character, don't get me wrong. And I do love his character. I mean, come on, he's a Jack Kirby character. How could I not love him? He's tied in with the New Gods. Of course I'm going to love him. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> so I'm okay with him being the villain. How about you? I'm kind of stoked because like he even he even says like you know I'm I'm back. This is <laughs> even before the first crisis. Like I'm I'm more powerful than I've ever been before. Yes. I think he's a great like counterbalance to the you know the infinite frontier infinite possibility. Yes. He's like no, I am the end. I dark side is, you know. I think that's I think that's really cool. I like yep. seeing him I like the way they, you know, I'm, uh, Ramita, Ramita's art is hit or miss sometimes. No, it is. It is. But I really like that splash shot that he had at the end, uh, over that one page of dark side, um, all gray and evil looking. I thought that was super cool. Yep. I'm hoping that, I don't know. I got like vibes, like, you know, like, like the Great Darkness Saga, Dark Side. I hope we get something like that, where Me he's too. like the ultimate evil, oh, like oh, yeah. so powerful. It's like, oh my god, like yeah. terrifying, yes. whatnot. And I agree that they've used him a lot mm-hmm. in the past. I'd say five, ten years. Mm-hmm. He still doesn't feel as ever used as Thanos. Agreed. At Marvel, yes, I'd agree. So, so seeing him, I didn't have that reaction of. Oh God! Here we go again. It's, right. it's him. Yep, yep. Of course, it's him. Yep. Um, I was actually like, "Oh, I can't! I can't wait!" Yeah. You know, of course, yeah. it's, a, it's a great writer writing him. So I, I'm excited for that. But also because, like, well, we haven't we haven't seen him like battle 
the entire universe in a while. Agreed. Yes. He's shown up like on the side yes. of some things and it's kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. So, and to get like the true, they, they even acknowledge like that, like that guy, that was not dark side. This is the real dark side. That's right. That's right. This is the pre new 52 so, dark side. He means business. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How would you grade out the epilogue? I'll give, I'll give the writing a, a seven. Mm-hmm. I'll give the art a six. Oh, look at you, Steven, right there with me. I'm doing the, the writing seven nickels out of 10, the art six nickels out of 10 as well. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Steven. Now, the final thing we're going to really parse into is the double page shot of the multiverse at the end of this issue that gives all these little teaser panels. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of information in each panel, but enough yeah. to get you wondering about what is going on. Mm-hmm. We'll start with the most important panels to the least important panels because I can't <laughs> sure. contain my enthusiasm because after the return of Roy Harper yeah. and after the fact that Black Canary <laughs> and Green Arrow have all their old memories back from pre-New 52 and the Alan Scott story, this panel mm-hmm. here, I don't know, Stephen, this panel here might rival anything else I was excited about in this issue. Why? Mm-hmm. Because there's one panel, Stephen, that has that sweet, sweet, sweet Marv Wolfman and George Perez Teen Titans assembled back and better than ever before. That's right, my friend. I'm talking mm-hmm. Dick Grayson. I'm talking <laughs> Raven. I'm talking Starfire. I'm talking Beast Boy. And most importantly, my friend, not a founding member of Justice League because that's stupid. Who would ever come up with that dumb idea in the DCU? No, my friend, Cyborg, mm-hmm. all together on <laughs> Titans Island. Oh, my God. Screw you, New 52, who got rid of the Wolfman Perez Titans completely. I mean, retcon them away. Com- Why would you retcon away literally the most popular Teen Titans ever? Why would you do that? I don't know. Seems like a bad business to me, but they did. Yeah. They're back, Steven. They're back together with Cyborg. Oh my God. I nearly passed out. My two pugs had to like resuscitate me to bring me back, Steven. This was awesome. What'd you think of this panel? It was nice to nice to see it. Um now just tell me who the writer is and pick somebody good, and then I'll be excited. <laughs> I'll be really excited. And let me ask you, Stephen, in the <laughs> panel, does it look like there are a bunch of students in the background? Yes? Yeah. Or are those shrubs? I can't tell. I thought those might be students. Okay. All right. Well, the Teen Titans Tower yeah. is drawn differently in this panel than it is in the uh, Teen Titans Academy story. Yeah. That could just be artists, yeah, you know, artists, the artists just being different. You know, that artists do that. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> okay. All right, so the next big panel for me, Stephen. Blue and gold is back, baby. That's mm-hmm. right. Blue and gold is back. That's what I'm talking. I'm talking the real Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, chilling with his boy, Booster Gold. That's right. The New 52 completely junked Ted Cord as the Blue Beetle. Gone. Junked his relationship with Booster yeah. Gold. Gone. Now, Rebirth did bring back some a- aspects of Ted Cord as Blue Beetle, but we are going full on, Stephen, full on pre-New 52, Blue and gold, <laughs> Ted and Booster. We need, Stephen, a blue and gold title ASAP. 
What do you think of this panel? <laughs> um, good to see them together again. Um, now we've been promised this before. Yes. Because I think they they made reference to to it back when Ted Cord first showed yes. up in Rebirth Number One. Yes. I'm excited at the prospect. I just with a lot of these, I need to see who's going to be writing. Of them. course, you know, that's, absolutely. That's, that's my that's my big concern. Absolutely. Um, it would be nice to get. Was it Paul Jurgens who wrote the Booster Gold title? Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens. That's yes. right, Paul yes. Jurgens. <laughs> uh, Dan's brother. Yes, um, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it would be nice to get to get Jurgens back on that. Give us uh, yeah, a nice classic Booster Gold Blue Beetle adventure. Agreed. Uh, that'd be so nice. Even if it was for a mini series, just yeah, be okay. give it to me. Amen. Please. <laughs> we have the Green Lanterns panel, of course, it's just showing us what we got referenced in the Green, yeah. Green Lantern story that there's a, a team with Hal, Guy, Kyle, and Jess. Mm-hmm. Again, I like the roster. I'll buy, I, I would buy a comic with that team. How about you? Would you? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then we get a panel, Stephen, which <laughs> appears to be the Justice Incarnate. They're sitting at a table with the, tal- the Totality logo on it. You see Lex Luthor, Mr. Terrific, Martian Manhunter, Hawkwoman, Vandal Savage, and Phantom Girl. Not the one we love from the Legion of Superheroes, but the one but... from the Terrifics. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a great uh, with, well, with the exception of Hawkwoman, I could care less about her. I'm sorry, I could not care less about her. Is the appropriate way to say it? Uh, with the exception of her, oh, the rest of that roster looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. I like that roster. I'm all over. I am all over any t- any title starring this cast of characters. How about you? Yeah, I think it would be it'd be interesting. And apparently, also with. Uh, Possibly Alan Scott and Barry Allen on yep. the way as well. Yep. So that would be an interesting mix of of um, smart types and then like regular mm-hmm. superheroes and mm-hmm. even a villain. They have a villain in there. Exactly. Luthor, so. That's right. Uh, the next panel, Stephen, we get a teaser panel for the Suicide Squad. We see a panel mm-hmm. with Peacemaker and Amanda Waller in it. Obviously, this references the new squad, uh, Suicide Squad title that came out this week, Suicide Squad number mm-hmm. one. Steven, I love this because I'm a massive Charlton Comics fans. I adore all Charlton Comics characters. If you've never read any Charlton Comics, then you need to rectify that ASAP because Charlton Comics is easily <laughs> one of the best comic book publishers of all time, period, bar none. And they had some real talent like Steve Ditko, by the way. Mm-hmm. That, that was that was Charlton was a legit company. And Peacemaker is a Charlton Comics character who, once DC bought Charlton Comics, like they did with a lot of characters, they didn't do much with them. They didn't do anything with Peacemaker. They, they've they mm-hmm. never used him. The, Peacemaker's biggest claim to fame, Stephen, is being the character that the comedian is based on because Alan Moore mm-hmm. originally wanted to use the Charlton Comics characters. And he they, uh, DC wouldn't let him. So the comedian is based on Peacemaker. That's his biggest claim to fame, Stephen, because honestly, other than that, DC's never really used his character ever since they bought Charlton. I know he appeared in a single panel in the final issue of 52. Remember that series 52? <laughs> uh, yeah. It seems like so long ago now. Uh, he was in one single panel at the end of the final issue of 52 that showed Earth 4 that had all the Charlton Comics characters in it. And he appeared in Pax Americana in the fourth issue that is set on Earth 4. That's mm-hmm. it. So me, I'm super excited that DC's finally using the Peacemaker. The more you use Charlton Comics characters, the better with me. I think Peacemaker is a good fit for the Suicide Squad. I hope, fingers crossed, that we get a Peacemaker that retains a comedian-style 
personality. So mm-hmm. I like the panel. It got me excited. How about you? Well, I guess I'm not surprised. Peacemaker is going to be in the in the new movie yes. for the Suicide Squad. Yep. Um, John Cena is playing him. You can't see him. And that's... <laughs> Steven does you the little hand that. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have, somebody has to. Right. You know? Yes. <laughs> I think, and and now I have to rank John Cena a check for a couple of bucks. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, and uh, and he's got his own show coming HBO Max that James Gunn also wrote. Right. So he's coming back in a big way. Yep. Somebody finally decided to use the character. Um, I hope that turns out well. Yep. Yeah, it's it's nice to see. Because uh, I think out of all the Charlton characters, he's probably the one who's been used the least. Oh, easily. Yeah, by far. Because yeah. um, the question, of course, and the Blue Beetle are mm-hmm. very popular. Yes. And Captain they, Adam. Night, Captain Adam, that's right. Nightshade was in Infinite Crisis, like as a as a kind of a big part. So <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she got her, her time to shine there. Um, but yeah. literally nobody has used Peacemaker for anything. No. So no. that's pretty cool. I, I, I'm, happy to see, I'm happy to see that. Agreed. Um, even though I looked at him and I was like, why is Orion talking to oh, no. Amanda Waller? And I was like, oh, no, that's Peacemaker. <laughs> yes. It's yes. the helmet. The helmet throws me off for yeah, yeah, just yeah. a second. Yeah. The, the only other, oh, the only other Charlton Combs character I can think of, Stephen, that's been used less, maybe maybe mm-hmm. Judo Master. He, he hasn't yeah. gotten much attention from DC. And uh, <laughs> uh, Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt. Oh, uh, I don't even think DC has him anymore. I don't I mean, they have he, him anymore either. I think he he's got snapped on, up. He's on, he's an image, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Because he was in, trying to remember, because Karen Gillan did a title with him for Image. Yep. I think it was a, it was a little miniseries. And then he was in the... He was in the the second masks crossover with like the shadow and the green hornet and the black terror and all those right. type of characters. Yeah. Which is such an odd. He's like the only actual superhero in that yeah. group. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's fascinating. Isn't that wow. weird? Because I they, wish yeah. they would bring him back. I know. I think he'd he'd be a better fit in the DC universe than Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. He, he he's strange. Even though he was a Charlton Comics character, uh, he's mm-hmm. owned by the the estate of the creator, Pete uh, Morrissey. Yeah, well. that's very unusual for a character of that mm-hmm. from the '60s. That's very unusual. Okay, next up would be the panel with Justice League Dark. We see Zatanna, Constantine, Detective Chimp, and the Demon. So we know that these characters are still around and still operating as a team and in their corner of the universe. I'm perfectly fine with this, and this is something that, you know, DC's got to keep the supernatural side of their world going. Do I prefer Zatanna to be part of the Justice League? Of course, but whatever. I'm not going to, you know, look, beggars can't be choosy. So uh, <laughs> I'm not going to raise a big stink over this. It's good that they those characters are still operating and look like they may get some panel time in the future. How about you? I agree. Um, I, I liked Tinian's, uh Justice League Dark title. I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of interesting little little parts of the DC universe that they explored. Yep. Um, so I'm glad to see they're still going and, um, and also getting, getting a movie for yep. HBO max. So got it. Got that synergy going. Synergy, baby. Michael. That's Eisner right. Would approve of this synergy. <laughs> um, 
Then we see a panel with Deathstroke. Uh, it's, a, it's Slade holding his Deathstroke helmet. So not a lot mm -hmm. to take away from this other than I love Deathstroke. I I really would like to see a more villainous Deathstroke mm -hmm. in this new Imagine <laughs> DCU, you know? More, more, more yeah. villain, less hero. It, it was one of those where, like, you look at... What's a good comparison? Like, where... You know, Daredevil is really good when he has like super dark stories yes. and all that. Yep. Like that law that line of succession of Miller, uh -huh. Bendis, Brubaker, and uh -huh. then um Zadarsky's is really good right now. But there was that little like interruption where it wasn't dark and it was Mark Wade's Daredevil. Yep. And it was really nice. Yep. But you kind of didn't want it to just be that forever. Yes. You wanted to go back. I feel like that's what Christopher Priest's Dare Deathstroke was. Yes. Yes. So that was the break. Yes. And he that was an excellent title. It was. I it thought. was. Mm -hmm. I agree. If it, it it's time to go back to villain Deathstroke, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. All right. The next panel, Stephen, is the Aquaman family. Mm -hmm. We see Aquaman holding his daughter, mm -hmm. little red-haired child, and we see Mira with him. And we see Jackson Hyde uh -huh. version of Aqualad there. We do not see Tula, nor do we see Garth. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, this panel does little for me. I, I haven't really, you know, since Kelly Sue DeConnick kind of drove the Aquaman franchise into the ground and got it canceled. I've not really <laughs> had much interest in this franchise for a while now. And I don't know if they're going to give him a new comic anytime soon. How they managed to put the wrong person on this title and ruin a character that had a hit movie is utterly beyond me. So this really didn't do anything for me. How about for you? Yeah, I, I really love Dan Jurgens' Aquaman yes. Rebirth title. Yes. I thought that was thought that was excellent. It was a lot I agree. of fun. I agree. Really interesting or really fun. Just lots of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, had a had a great story, I yeah. thought. And then, <laughs> yeah, we don't need to we don't need to reflect on that anymore. Nope. Um, because it's interesting that that Garth and Tula are not in the image. Garth is around because he was in Titans uh -huh. for a little bit, so I know he's he's alive. Yep. And obviously, if they're bringing everything back, that means Tula is probably alive as well. Yep. So if they do an Aquaman title, I figure they will both be in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the Aquaman family is not really as large as no. anybody else's, so nope. Nope. it's probably a little easier to manage all of that. I hope they do like a good, like a kind of return to form. Like, no, this is this is Aquaman. Like, this is the the yep. new good era of Aquaman. Like, yep. go back to the the Peter David yes. Aquaman. You yes. know, agreed. Back when it was so, when it was really, really good. Yes, man. If man, if they could get Peter David to come back, oh, that'd be man. awesome. I'd be all over that. Oh, good. All over that. All right, Stephen. Mm -hmm. The next panel is a panel of Shazam. Not Shazadam, but Shazam <laughs> and the Rock of Eternity. Not much else in this panel. I hope we get another Shazam title. I don't know if this panel is hinting to us, Stephen, that we're going to get a more traditional version of Shazam where you don't have the adopted family yeah. team of a, of a million Shazams <laughs> with different power yeah. sets. I don't know if this is hinting at more of a pre-New 52 style Shazam. Or maybe it isn't. I don't know. It, just trying to figure out what to, we can take from this. They put this in here for a reason. So I'm trying to glean what they're trying to tell me. 
So I'm wondering if yeah. it's more of a traditional pre-New 52 version of Shazam. I guess we'll find out. Hopefully we get another title going forward. Yeah, I agree. I I really liked John's Shazam Me too. a lot. I like the family dynamic. Yep. Um, I like the worlds that they all that they set up. Yep. It would be a shame if they if they uh, they ditch that, but I think they'll keep going. Maybe it'll be more focused on you know Shazam himself right. and have them be as like supporting characters, right? Which I'd be I'd be okay with that. It just it depends on who is going to be writing it. Agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we got a panel on Supergirl holding a sword. This is obviously a teaser for Tom King's Supergirl miniseries mm-hmm. that's coming out soon. I, Heroes in Crisis <laughs> has turned me off from Tom King probably for the rest of my life, Stephen. So there's that. And I've never been a Supergirl fan either. So this is not yeah. really, I'm not the target audience, but maybe you are interested in it. Um, We'll see. <laughs> okay, fair enough. There is a panel of Swamp Thing. And that's obviously just teasing the new Swamp Thing title that came out this week as well. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's good. He's part of the supernatural side of the DCU, so you need to have that balance. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. And we also get a panel, Stephen, of it looks like Midnighter. And I think maybe this is just letting readers know that, hey, the Wallstorm character still exists in the DCU. Oh, they have to do that every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> and the final panel to talk about is the Lobo and Crush <laughs> panel of the two of them. Crush! <laughs> They're squaring off against each other, and Steven, oh my god, I I could, I, I just, the only character that I dislike more than Lobo is probably Crush, so uh, this is a big pass for me. How about you? But are you saying this isn't your most anticipated? <laughs> I, I can't wait for this title. <laughs> what is wrong with you? This could be, this could be so bad that it could be legendary. No, that is true. That is true. We'll see what the have creative like, team is. <laughs> have like. Hire like, Rob Liefeld to do it. Yes. <laughs> I would read that, by the way, Stephen. I would absolutely read yeah. that. I would 100% read that. Have him have him write it and draw it. Oh, oh of course. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. He's got to do both. <laughs> Lobo and Crush are searching for their, their feet, and then they collide in <laughs> space. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> wow. All right, Stephen. We made our way through Infinite Frontier number zero. So w- overall... Before we put a pin in this, are you excited? First, yes. did, did did DC exceed your expectations with Infinite Frontier number zero? They, they definitely did, yes. <laughs> are you excited going forward? Yes. Has DC sold you on saying, hey, come on back. You've been gone for a while. Come on back and buy some of our stuff. Yes. Me too. Some uh, of their stuff. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Me too. I think Infinite Frontier number zero is better than uh, I was expecting. I'm way more excited than I was ever thought I'd be. And I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to reading some DC comics. I'm already more interested in DC than Marvel at this moment. <laughs> Just off this one issue. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I it's, agree. It's going to be great. All right, my friend. That was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Let's call it quits here. We're both yeah. on a high. We're both super happy. We're both pretty mm-hmm. darn positive. Steven, this might be the most positive and hopeful you and I have been about mm-hmm. DC Comics going forward in quite some time, actually. Yeah. This is great because DC is a company that you and I both love, full of characters yes. that we both love. And I it's it's I'm really excited to see DC. They got they gotta make they gotta make this work, Steven. 
Mm-hmm. I, I cannot see DC. Sh- I, I do not want to see DC Comics getting shut down. Yeah, I don't either. They just need to. They only need to do what we've seen all along. Got stop publishing so many titles. Quality control. Yep. Put your best foot forward. Yep. Won all these titles. You still got the best, the best writers yep. and the best artists. Yep. Just be better than that. Most of what Marvel has. I mean, Marvel still has Hickman's X Men. So, no doubt. You know, no doubt. Tough to beat. But yes. other than that. They can take anything else. Over show over there. Come on. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's not insurmountable. Okay, Stephen. No. All right, my friend. Well, on that note, until next time, my friend, viva la revolucion. <laughs>